Hey there, welcome to the Book of Majora podcast, the podcast where we discuss the lore of the Legend of Zelda series of brands, video game products by Nintendo. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. This is part two of our series of Breath of the Wild, and I've been told that over the course of this episode, we should not expect to hit the point where the game begins. Yes. That's Monica's expectation. I'm pretty sure about this. Last we left off, the shadow of the Calamity Ganon was looming long over the fields of Hyrule. Was it? Well, I mean, so to speak, we had reached the point where we were discussing the fact that the queen was dead. Oh, yes. But the queen being dead leaves us with a lot of story to cover before the game begins. Yes, it does. Did we want to mention what's been going on in Zora's domain? I, we kind of left it off before. What do you in mean? The previous episode. Um, through the ten monuments around Zora's domain, you learned that the domain was founded ten thousand years ago. Oh, right. Which, and since they reference that there was a Zora's domain before this, uh, and a Ruto princess that fell in love with a Hylian swordsman, uh, that pretty firmly establishes that the 10,000 years takes place long after the events of Ocarina of Time. Yes. I don't know if it mentions a separate domain. Whatever. Do you think that the earlier flooding of the area was related to Ganon, or was it just natural causes? Well, Either of you? What What are you getting at? Um, well, the... The area in which Zora's domain is now situated apparently was is prone to flooding every ten years. Right. And prior to the the reservoir lake's um, development, and I guess the dam, um, it it would like wipe out a lot of people, including Zora's. Sure. For like every ten years. Yeah, periodic floods. Is that just a natural phenomena? Yeah, I think it's probably a natural phenomenon, just a quirk of the particular geography. Okay. You think that it just flooded its ass off every time Ganon showed up and he showed up once a decade? <laughs> no, but I mean, who just says, yeah, this happened like 10,000 years ago? Unless 10,000 is meant to be like the sort of Buddhist 10,000 or large number here. Right. No, it's fine. I mean, things like that, you would keep track of it. I mean... A once a decade flood and the thing is that those flood waters still occur it's just that the system allows them to release the flood waters at a sustainable rate that doesn't put anyone in danger right but specifically the the building of the domain 10,000 years ago right what about it did they not just keep the year what year what do you what, what does that sentence it's mean it's oddly specific it's fine or oddly, vaguely specific. Oh, you're saying vague. that Ganon might have fucked up the weather when he went out. Yes. Okay. Sure. Why not? I'm going to blame everything on Ganon, yeah, Ganon, including natural phenomena. Yeah, Ganon fucked up the weather and everything. One of my favorite conventions of Wikia writing styles, in addition, well, number one is referring to all powers as a kinesis. Sure. Mm-hmm. And number two is taking... Uh, given time spans very literally, so that if something happened, say, two two million years ago, it'll be 2 million minus 2019 BC. Oh. That's oddly specific. Yes. 
That's, yeah, that literalism. So according to the wikias, (laughs) (laughs) this is all happening at exactly the same time. So the calamity takes place 9,900 years after the sealing of Ganon. Yes. Okay, good. And at some point, this also still seems... This is some point between the 10,000 and the 100 years ago. There was the the miracle of the white scale. Oh, yes. Which this... sounds hella Japanese. Well, this is... um. Th- oh, you mean the story itself? No, no, the title. Oh. The miracle of the white scale. It's definitely a manga title. Yeah. Yes. Like a chapter in the manga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In which the Zora fought a an army of Lysiphos... And the king was not a fighter, but had a a tunic or armor, I guess, sewn with the scale of the queen. Yeah, she made the armor for him, uh, embedding her own white scale over his heart or something like that. The way it's described, I think it's probably like very central because there was a, f- a flash of light as he was fighting and uh, about to be defeated by the Lysiphos general. And there's a, a Lysophos general. I, get back to the story for just a second. We'll okay. come back to the Lysophos general. Um, as the Lysophos general was just about to swing down his spear, I guess, uh, it caught a reflection of the light. It, it was, being the white scale. Yes. And then the Lysophos was blinded. And I guess the king shanked the Lysophos. And then they took the day. Yes. And that's the miracle of the white scale. And forever Things after- reflect. Forever after, when a princess of the Zora royal family wants to marry somebody, she will put her own white scale in some armor for her paramour. Yeah, only the Zora women have these scales. Yeah, I guess. I, who knows? No, I think it's on the monument. Who knows? No one knows. The miracle of reflections. Yeah, basically, it's a very silly story. It it does continue. Um, the whole thing of kings being essentially useless pieces of shit who managed to get through by being lucky. I think Dor- no Dora fan pretty cool. Dora fans like the only king in this series who's unequivocal, like just good at what he's doing and at taking care of his people. Yeah, and he does right by his daughter. And he so cool. And he throws a guardian. Oh, uh, we'll talk about that later. I know. I know. <laughs> he's so sick. Was there something you wanted to say about this sequence? This sequence? Yes. No, not at all. Something about monsters? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something that Monica pointed out is that the Lazalfos had a general, which means in this retelling of Zora history, it's implied that the monsters of the Calamity have a military hierarchy. That's a little strange. I don't know that it's really strange, but it does suggest a level of sapience that often is not ascribed to the monsters in The Legend of Zelda. Even though they have jewelry and weapons. And clothes. And clothes. I think I'm coming back around again to the idea that all the monsters in The Legend of Zelda, including the monsters in Breath of the Wild, are essentially people who have taken on the shape that most reflects their hearts. And that all demons are really just people. I don't know about that. I'll go further. Ganon's power is what brings monsters back to life. 
and these are the same people, the same monsters that you've been fighting since the beginning, since Ganon was sealed in the Dark World. I'll go one further. <laughs> oh. Ganon is what gives these monsters their humanity. That, that without him, they would just be malice, mindless malice. I like Crystal's method better. That's not just a step further. That's like a step through the mirror and out on the other side. I like Crystal's theory better. So you're saying that they are pure evil given a human-like veneer by the will of Ganon. If you want to know what the monsters are like without Ganon, you look at the malice beneath the ancient cistern. Oh, it's really grody, though. Yeah. Or I guess basically looking at the malice anywhere in Breath of the Wild. This makes more sense to me because, like, Phantom Ganon in the Forest Temple, clearly a creation. Sure, yeah, he does actually make monsters. Right. Ganon desires to be a king, but a king needs subjects. So he creates these puppets, basically. Yes. He likes people that he can control, absolutely. Why does he make the Bacoblins so cute? (laughs) That's a real question. You're not controlling every aspect of the creation. He likes cute stuff. Yeah, I guess he probably would. I guess they're they're kind of piggy cute. Yeah. He's got an aesthetic to uphold. He does. It's true. Bacoblins and Moblins, they've evolved over time. Okay, yeah, you know what? Sure, I'm for this. Ganon makes them himself, and any semblance of humanity that they have is whatever humanity he can invest in them. Which is a fair amount of humanity. It's quite a lot, depending. Ganon was a cultured man. Yeah. He's he's the kind of guy that the guy who interviewed the Hauser brothers would be like, whoa, whoa. There's books in his bedroom. What? Who are the Hauser brothers? The Rockstar brothers. Oh. Brothers what made Rockstar. Oh, okay. Those guys. And there was a profile of them shortly before the release of Red Dead Redemption 2 where the author was just just awestruck that they were so smart and intelligent that they had they had read books. Whole books. They had books in their bedroom? Yeah, ones even without pictures in them. <laughs> Wait, do they, like... Because th- this sounds like they still share a bedroom. Like, they've been living in the same room since they were kids. You know, maybe it was more like their office. They have a race car bed. Who doesn't have books in their office? Uh, uh, j- journal- jur- journalists? journalists? No, that's not right. I don't know. Lots of people have... Is there more from the 10,000 years you wanted to cover in Zora's No, I think this is about it. Okay. Okay, so the queen dies. The queen fucking dies. If if we want to stay on the Zora Beater stuff before the 10,000 years, that is maybe a little interesting. What would you like to cover there, Crystal? Uh, part five on the Zora Stone Monument. Mm-hmm. In a past more distant than even the Great Calamity or the creation of the Divine Beast Varuta, there was a Zora princess named Ruto. Now, Ruto is the only one of the sages which is named in this game. The, some uh, others are referenced. Uh, is Naburu named? I think Naburu is actually named, but I'm not mm, sure. Maybe. The other divine beasts have names that are references to sages. Uh, we know that she was an attendant to the Zora patron deity. Oh, yes. That is important. Who? Jabu Jabu. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> 
She was a fair and lively girl, beloved to all. Around that same time, an evil man with designs on ruling the world appeared, bringing disaster on Zora's domain. It is said that Ruto awoke as a sage facing this foe alongside the princess of Hyrule and the hero of legend. Her achievements are remembered not only by the Zora, they are forever etched in the history of Hyrule. The divine beast Varuta, built ages later to face off against Calamity Ganon, was named in honor of Ruto. That the Zora princess, my sweet daughter Mipha, was chosen to pilot Ruta is surely the work of fate. Yes, in other podcasts and YouTube videos and whatnot, when they try to figure out where Breath of the Wild fits on the timeline... This comes up a lot. Yeah. Well, Ruto awakening as a sage would have to happen in the adult timeline. Yep. Which doesn't sync up with how Twilight Princess is referenced in the um, first memory. Yep. It confuses some people. Yep. Until you know that everything has merged into one timeline. Yep. Then everything makes sense. I think that's actually kind of a pretty common interpretation at this point because it's the only way to make everything fit. Yes. I, I don't know that It's for either sure. this or Nintendo. Yeah. And we can't wait on Nintendo to do shit for us. Actually, one of the only official statements on the timeline placement of this game is that it is set after Ocarina of Time. Yes. But then they forget about the references in the the memory. Which references? Well, Zelda makes references to heroes and the Twilight, heroes coming down from the sky, heroes on the sea. I think you've listed like different language versions of that before, Crystal. Yes. And it references games from literally every timeline you could theoretically come up with. Mm-hmm. Yes, it absolutely does. And that's textual. They know these things. They're just fucking with you. I also think it is interesting that the Zora corroborates the Gerudo claims that Calamity Ganon once manifested as a man. The funny thing is, Ganondorf is never named here. Nor that's is true. The, nor is the evil man actually equated to Ganon. That does leave a lot of room. They also fail to remember that Ruto died in the war against that man. She awoke as a sage. That's a known euphemism. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I buy that. The dog, he awoke as a sage on the farm upstate. Jesus (laughs) God, hell Christ, no. Leave the puppy alone. I don't even know what dog we're talking about. I hate it already. What, What was a tortoise doing in that store you was in uh yes i was in the pet store while waiting to see captain marvel because i had bought the tickets for time that was later than i thought it was right uh and there there's a lot of uh unethical stuff going on in that store oh, oh. you so you actually encountered this yes this yes this wasn't just a a photo off the internet no it was a, f- a photograph that i took oh wow of a pet store in columbus ohio Oh. Did you report them? Uh, we'll get into this later, but how was the turtle? <laughs> you know, the turtle was just chilling, trying to make its way while having a minion's balloon taped to it. Oh, no. Just crawling across the floor. Yeah, just, just hanging out, open, freely oh, wandering. I really liked that picture because there was a turtle in it. Yeah, you no. Notice the balloons. I thought the balloon wasn't attached to the fucking I turtle. That's I thought I that thought... it was just off to the, on the shelf or some goddamn thing. That's why I thought it was just some like. I'm cutting this part out. Photo. I'm upset about this. Turtle. There was a parakeet, which is not really the kind of bird to, s- to sell. There's like a fucking macaw. 
there are cats which are like clearly the junk cats from people trying to breed Persians. Oh. Yeah, oh, no. no. It oh, was an no. un- unpleasant place. Oh. oh, well, maybe I should leave this in. I'm upset, though. I thought it was just a good picture of a fun turtle, a bodega turtle. You should throw that place under the bus. Who is she going to fucking call about? Look, we'll talk about it later. You okay. can give, Animal Protective you can, Services. You can give fucking directions about how to handle shit after the podcast. Okay. So, so 10,000 years pass, and the fortune teller shows up and is like, hey, dig up this stuff. I'm not a Ghanim. And Rome's like, who's a Ghanim? And he's like, never you mind. We never wrote this shit down. We sure didn't. <laughs> and they go digging. And then the queen dies. And they're like, oh, the queen's dead. And Zelda has no one to teach her how to do the thing. I do have to admit that they do uncover the shrines. Yes. This was brought up last episode, I believe, where we had a short argument about whether or not these shrines were always above ground. Mea culpa. But I think the ones in Kakariko might have been exposed. Listen. Mea culpa. I said it. Yeah, but like one... There's two in Kakariko, and one of them only pops up after you complete the puzzle. So it's not the ones in Kakariko were exposed. It would be the one. Funnily enough, though, um, Dorian is aware of both by the time the painter shows up. That's interesting. Yes, that's pretty interesting. That is interesting. I like that. So it's within the Sheikah knowledge. Yeah, it would be, though. Right. And they... Anyway. Okay, so they do all this digging, and they find them... Some shrines, and at this point, somewhere in here, Zelda, sort of adultish-ish, she's like a teen. She's like a little teen. I take it back. She's a baby. She's a little baby teen, and she meets up with Pura and Impa and Ravi, and they're like, hey, let's all study this Sheikah tech together, and she's like, fucking sick. I love robots. This is the start of her research journal, when she actually meets Impa and is introduced to Pura and Ravi. And first thing they go out and find, they, they theorize the existence of something that can control the guidance stones, which are each of the... Hold on, just pausing. Do they just do that with the turtle every day? Apparently. <laughs> oh. It's just, it's just the bodega turtle. Oh. I don't know what to think. I love tortoises. But what if somebody trips over the turtle? Yeah, good question. Like, people are on their cell phones all the time, and they walk into, like, fountains and, like, holes and shit. And people. Right. They're not going to notice a turtle. That's why he has a balloon. They're not looking up either. <laughs> oh, no. Poor baby. Okay. Um, just for the sake of clarity for our listeners, one of the things that we use to... Essentially, Breath of the Wild takes place in three acts. There are There is the act that takes place 10,000 years ago, the great battle with the Calamity, which nearly destroys Hyrule and acts as the setup for the entire rest of the story. There is the second act, which is the 100 years ago. Now, the 100 years ago is largely documented through various means, the most common being through, well, there are people who lived through the 100 years ago who are still kicking around, and you can talk to them about it. Most of them are Zora. But there are also journals written during that time that you can read. Zelda's journal in particular highlights certain aspects of the setting, and you can find that 
in the ruined Hyrule castle in what used to be her bedroom. She has two journals. Does she? Yeah. She has a research one, and then she has her diary. Right. Her research journal is in her laboratory, right? Yeah. Oh, she used it as a laboratory. And her diary is in her bedroom. And you can read both. Link is such a snoop. Oh, Link loves reading people's diaries. But that's been true of every Link. Yes. But, I mean, it isn't just, like, people who are long dead. You know Zelda's alive and he's reading it. But, like, Pia's right over there. Yeah, Pia will be, like, asleep in her bed and Link's going through it. And the game actually narrates that you must not read with the with the ellipses between each of the words and you can still choose to read it or not. Is it saying that we're terrible? Yes, it is. Okay. Which is fine. We are terrible. Anyway, a lot of what we're going to be talking about in this episode is going to be drawn from the various diaries found throughout the game. I opened everybody's diary. One of the things about the diaries in this game, though, is that a number of them, the diary of the champions, are only available in the game's DLC. So Zelda meets up with Robbie and Pura and starts studying Sheikah Tech. And that kind of kicks off the whole thing where Rome starts complaining about how much she's doing anything that's not sitting under a waterfall praying and freezing half to fucking death. Well, yeah, it's it's pretty, they're pretty smart. They theorize the existence of something that can control the guidance stones, which are those teardrop operation machines that give you runes or maps. Yeah, the the guidance stones are those huge stones at the top of the Sheikah Towers and also inside the first four shrines on the Great Plateau. And they call it the Sheikah Slate. They restore some of the functionality, in particular the camera. Yeah, the ability to take photographs. That's pretty crazy already. It is pretty wild. And... Around this time, they're also theorizing that the shrines are unlocked with the Sheikah Slate, but they can't get it working. They also theorize that the purpose of the shrines is to act as training grounds to strengthen the hero for the battle with the Calamity. And of course, they want to get that open because they want the hero to be as prepped as possible. But then Link draws the Master Sword, and he's like the baddest motherfucker in the history of the kingdom. And it's like, yeah, all right. I guess it's not that urgent. Going to the the Link side of things... He probably starts roaming. Do you think roaming? Like, roaming. Yeah? Because he's he seems to be, like, traveling very specifically. To Death Mountain? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, he's part of the military by the time he goes to Death Mountain. Is he? I think so. What gives you that indication? He's basically raised as a would-be knight in the first place. Yeah, but, like, Daruk just comes across him alone. Kicking the fuck out of some monsters. Yes. Alone, though. Not oh, okay. with other troops or whatever. Yeah, okay. He hasn't got a retinue that he's traveling with, I guess. Right. Just some guy. And I figured he was, like, honing his strength or whatever. Oh, okay. He's going on one of those wandering, wandering hero, hero journey. Yeah. Okay. I love those. Those are great reading. Crystal, have you read over the the champion journals? I have read over the champion journals. Oh, good. Okay. Daruks is very goofy. Daruks is mostly about food. But at some point after this, Link joins the knights. Yes. And when he joins the knights, his tremendous capability and leadership causes him to ascend rapidly through their ranks. He, bec- According to Pura's diary, he becomes the youngest person ever appointed to the Royal Guard. The Imperial Guard. 
They call it the Imperial Guard here. <laughs> but there's but not an empire. There, one, it's Is not it? an empire. Two, it's called the Royal Guard in every other instance in the game. That's a trans- Explain that, Treehouse. That's a translation oopsie, Treehouse. Why'd you let that one through, Reggie? Did you forget to do your copy editing? Um, but that, that was the line you were looking for last episode, Crystal. It's in, in Pura's, oh, yeah? Yeah, in Pura's uh, journal. She mentions that um, Link was the youngest person to ever ascend to what she calls the Imperial Guard. He's, oh, yeah, fifth page. He was also a gifted swordsman. He was selected as captain of Princess Zelda's personal guard. And I think all of this was actually before he became the official appointed knight, too. There's just, like, layers of this, like, knighthood journey. Yeah, there's there's an interesting element there, the fact that he was appointed as captain of Zelda's personal guard. Because there's two elements to that. Go ahead. Don't forget the uh, the parts of Pira's diary where the author describes in great detail their uh, age play fantasy. Oh. Uh, why don't you go into some more description of that for our listeners there, Crystal? The beta version of my anti-aging rune is complete. I've already added to the Sheikah slate I made for myself. Since I'm to be the test subject of this experiment, Simon booted up the rune and directed its rays at my body. After 20 seconds of exposure, I felt extreme fatigue and broke into a fever, forcing us to cease the experiment. Unable to stay awake, I went to bed immediately. Tomorrow, I'll try to figure out what went awry. My extreme full-body fatigue has slightly improved, for which I am grateful. Still, I do not recognize my face in the mirror. My hair is thick again and floor-length. My wrinkles, once deep as trenchers, have vanished without a trace. It seems the anti-aging effect works. However, I did not expect the reversal to happen so frighteningly fast. This morning, I kicked Simon awake and had him run a full physical exam on me. My height, weight, vision, bone density, heart, blood. We tested everything we could, pushing our facility to its limits. Our discoveries were startling. My results were typical of a Sheikah woman in her early 50s. In other words, I reversed my age by more than 70 years in a single night. I can only hope I do not awaken to find that I have the body of a newborn baby. I awoke with an abundance of energy. It has been decades since I slept so well. Upon waking, I immediately checked the mirror, only to be greeted by a youthful version of myself. According to Simon's examination, I have the body of a Sheikah woman in her 30s. 30 years old. I was around that age when I was first able to continue my research following the Great Calamity. After today's routine physical, the results show I have the body of a Sheikah woman in her 20s. I haven't felt this good in a century. I awoke to something horrifying. A scarlet lump scarring my otherwise youthful face. After analyzing this monstrosity, I've come to the conclusion that it is just a pimple, a big one. The results of today's physical exam indicate that my body and mind have reverted to those of a teenager. My age reversal has progressed further still. Wait, I now her look mind and is feel like a too. six-year-old. My height no. has regressed so much that I can no longer reach things in high places. It's super annoying. This morning exam results indicate I'm still age six, same as yesterday. Perhaps my age reversal has stopped. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just someone's fic. Yeah, it's just an they age just regression. They just put it in fic. the game. Yeah, I respect that hustle, honestly. <laughs> like, if 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 that's what gets you going, I guess you don't go- want to put it out there for everybody. Or I guess we don't do. know who to attribute that to. They got away scot free. 
We know you, person at Nintendo. We see you. We don't know your name, but we know you're out there. Yeah, how about that one, huh? Why is her mind reverting? I guess because the large part of the mind is up to, like, hormonal balances. But, like, she has her memory of everything that has happened. Sure. But, like, my mind is also made up of, like, it's easily fucked with by hormonal balances. Okay. That's what the the robot brain people don't get, is that your you you know your body affects your minds. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I still want a robot brain though. But you won't be you, Cameron. You, you know won't what? Feel grumpy when you're hungry. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes not being me might be an okay alternative. You know. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm a, look. To me, that's no different than taking medication. Okay. I would change my body chemistry to get rid of certain moods. I have horrific allergies. I would like those to go away. Monica wants robot everything else, I guess. Like, her entire endocrine system just needs to be replaced. Yeah, that'd be nice. Anyway, while Link is... What were we even fucking (laughs) talking about before we got into this discussion about the age regression (laughs) fix? Link becoming... A member of the royal knights and then a member of Zelda's personal guard. And you were going to say... This brings up two interesting elements. One, because Link moved from the royal guard to being promoted to Zelda's personal guard, this further enshrines the idea that guarding the princess is more prestigious and more important than guarding the king. Yep. Yeah. The other thing is that Zelda wasn't really aware of who Link was while he was the captain of her guard. Right. So it's like she's kind of removed from the people who protect her until Link is placed in a spot so specific and so close to her that she can't just, like, move throughout her day without seeing him. Right. Well, I mean, she didn't have much of a life. It seemed like, you know, go pray at the spring, get, like, a quick break to do some research— Go back to the spring, rinse and repeat. Yeah, basically forever. Yeah. But it must have been one of the things that drew the king's attention was probably the incident with the uh, berserk guardian where Link reflects a beam using a pot lid. Yes. Um, This is described in Daruk's journal. During experiments where they were testing... Guardian targeting systems, one of the Guardians completely lost control and started firing at random. We described this a little bit last episode. Link grabs a pot lid and, similar to what the player can do, he parries the blast from the Guardian, knocking it back into its eye and destroying it. And this, apparently, is what caught Rome's eye enough to get him assigned to Zelda's personal guard. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I guess. It's also kind of dorky. The pot lid? No, just the whole fact of the story. Oh. The writing is dorky. Yeah, it's pretty dorky. Yeah. But I mean, if you see somebody like perfect... Perfect parrying? parrying. I mean, yeah, I was really impressed by perfect parrying the first time I saw it. I was like, whoa. You were more like, oh my gosh. They just did that with an ordinary shield. That's what you said. Yeah, I was very excited about it. I think that the easiest way for us to move through the hundred years... I've got a timeline. You've got a timeline. Okay. Take us through it then. Okay. I think it's Keep only- it entertaining. Okay. Let me know if I'm not entertaining. I will. I think it's at this point, while Link is already a 
uh, the captain of her Zelda's guard that he obtains the master sword, which is sort of a strange chronology, but getting the master sword instantly makes him just the master sword guy. He's the hero. Right. So I think the order must be the promotions, then the discovery of the sword. Yes. Does that make sense to you, Crystal? I guess so. It kind of feels to me like they they had the master sword. They just didn't know who to give it to. Really? Because the impression that I got was that the master sword was in the Lost Woods until Link went and drew it. The Deku Tree does recognize Link's return as a return, which isn't conclusive. Well, the Deku Tree says it's clear that you do not remember me, which means that he should remember the Deku Tree. Right. No, I mean, like, maybe Link was just there and the sword wasn't. You just think maybe he just went that, to the Lost Woods. That make much sense. But... He just went to the Korok Forest to hang out. Also, I don't know how many people could handle the Master Sword. Um, pretty conclusively just Link. We kind of established that in the Skyward Sword episode. If you haven't got the stuff to be the hero, you can't hold it. Well, and Zelda. And Zelda. Because it's her sword, so to speak. And I suppose it's at this point that Link goes through his personality change. Yes. Uh, that's brought up in Mipha's journal. Not long after he draws the Master Sword, he returns to Zora's domain. And she is so proud of him because he has grown in esteem and in skill. And he's holding the Master Sword and she's like, that's the coolest. But he's so sad now. We read that last episode. He almost never speaks and smiles even more rarely. Yeah. But I mean to say he might have been like a fairly cheerful captain of the knights or whatever. Right. Mm, yeah, I could buy that. Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, you remember last episode where we talked about how everyone knows that Mifa and Link are in a relationship? <laughs> oh, my God. Except for Link? Yeah. Hold on. <sighs> what are you sighing about, asshole? <laughs> I just want to bring up that... There's a bit of dialogue when talking to Coda in Zora's domain, uh, Coda being the woman who runs the inn, that she knew Link when he was a child. They were both children, and she called him Lenny. And apparently Coda had a big fucking crush on Link. Who doesn't? Pretty much no one fucking apparently. That shit keeps happening for a hundred years. Sidon has a big fucking crush on Link. But um, Coda explains that when they were younger, that crush manifested in her asking Link to choose between her and Princess Mipha. So even if he had no idea what was going on, uh, I think he would know as soon as that conversation happened. Not necessarily. Listen. He was like six. You don't know how old he was. He, He only stayed in Zora's domain when he was a kid. He... Did leave to go do his night training, yes. And that does mean that this was like some junior high shoujo manga bullshit. But that doesn't mean that he was a real little kid. Cam, don't... Don't... Don't what? Fall for people who give you ultimatums. What? What is this that you're throwing at me If somebody gives you an ultimatum, you go, no. Uh, Thank you. Yes, I I have done... And that's what Link did. What? Okay, what I'm saying is Link was not in the dark about how his relationship with Mifa was viewed by the people around him. 
at the minimum. I dispute Why this. do you say that? Because Coda made it very clear to him how she saw his relationship with Mifa. You play with me or you play with Mifa. You want to frame this as them being younger so it can be dismissed. I see your ulterior motives. (laughs) This is all coming back to this not fitting perfectly with your idea of how your ship ought to fucking work. I think it's very possible, if not likely, that Link might understand that others see him and Mifa as being in a romantic relationship. But he doesn't see it that way. Okay, now. We do need to talk. If we're going to talk about that, since we're going in deep on this shit, we might as well talk more in depth about Mifa's diary. There is a particular timeline laid out in Mifa's diary. Getting to it? We'll get to it. (laughs) Uh, How much further do we need to go before we get to this? A bit, but it will come up chronologically. Okay. Fine. We'll cu- we'll put a pin in this, but we're coming back. Coda's husband is really funny, though. Coda's husband is very funny because he's like, look, you were my wife's first love, and I understand that, but we're happy now. God, I'm glad I don't have- I, I have a ki- I got a kid out of this relationship. I'm glad I don't have to compete with you, though. Coda's husband is a funny guy and weird. It's a weird <laughs> conversation to have. That is really- Why would you bring that up? Don't. Don't do that. Okay, so Link obtains the Master Sword. Next thing we really know is Link visits Mifa. Well, the first time since childhood. All of this is actually after, like, you actually have your notes slightly out of chronological order. Link draws the Master Sword mm-hmm. after the champions are selected. Why? Because Zelda's meeting with Mifa predates Link's return to the domain with the Master Sword. No. It. Why? Okay, you're right. Thank you. Look, I spent the afternoon looking at all this. Listen, we had some arguments about this earlier, and I won both of them. Well. Not this time, though. I didn't catch that shit on air, so it basically didn't happen. Anyway, you were saying. Link first visits Mifa for the first time since childhood, and he's changed. He has changed. He has acquired height. <laughs> yes, he has. It's got to suck having like a very delayed growth spurt compared to the guy you like. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and I guess the next thing chronologically that happens is the the EX memories, where Zelda, it's been decided that they better have champions that pilot the Divine Beasts. And so, so she goes and speaks to, you know, the likeliest or best people Um of each, each species. Right. And thankfully, the memories are in a particular order there, too. So we know how everything happened. Yeah. we If once you look, once you've gathered all the memories in Breath of the Wild, they're laid out to you chronologically. So you can get a pretty clear timeline of events as described. So first, Zelda goes to ask Rivali. To be the pilot of... Va Meadow. Va Meadow, Right. Named after Medley from Wind Waker. Um, Rivali at the time is, he's not the chief or anything of the Rito. He's just a really good archer guy. He's just really good at what he does. But so good that they he demands like a training ground and they're like, yep, 
here you go. There you go. <laughs> but Get- it's inspiring to the people. Yeah, because he's such a badass, he can protect them. I really wish they had done more to connect Rivali to Link or Zelda in some way, though. Sure. I, I think that I would be happier just seeing him interact with other Rito. Or that, like, yes. Like, having him drive away some flying monsters would have been really cool. Right. But, but he's just some guy. <laughs> we would need fly. He's just some asshole who's really good at his job. Um, Rivali is at the time devising his secret master technique. Rivali's Gale, he has yet to call it. Because Rito can't really fly. Ascend. Yeah, they're actually too heavy to fly under their own power. They rely on updrafts. And what our boy is doing is basically using wind magic to create his own updraft. And theoretically, it's something that any Rito should be able to do, but he's the one who's mastered how to do it. <coughs> Which is doubly interesting to me. You think they'd come up with it sooner? <laughs> Pardon Sorry. me, listeners. I choked uh, on some water. My wife's just choking on water. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me, though, because it implies that Rito are able to glide at all because they have some form of wind magic. And maybe they do not have as much wind magic as the Rito who were created by Valu. Don't they get a scale from Valu or something? Yes, absolutely. They have the blessing of the wind god. Right. Well, the fire god, but it's the same difference. He's one of the gods of the wind. Wind magic, huh? Yeah. Like the wind tribe. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And it lets them fly, except when they don't have the wind magic much anymore, and then they don't fly as good. But Rivali builds a technique that allows him to do it, and his mastery of it is the goal that he sets for himself. If he can't do this, he won't be champion. Nobody knows about this. No, he's doing it in secret. Because if he can do this, he's unstoppable. Um, he, he finishes mastering it in the memory where Zelda goes back for his answer. And this is his great big show-off moment. Like, I can do this. And also, sure, I'll be your hero or whatever. Only Zelda doesn't care about the Gale. So Yeah, she's like, cool. Nice. Okay. Now, you blew up all those rocks. That was good. He writes it in his diary as letting her sweat it out a bit before he gives his reply. Yeah. What a jerk. Get him, Rivali. Rivali's the best. What an asshole. Rivali's not very notable. Shut up. He's great. The Gale is great. There are a lot of people who ship Rivali and Link together, and it's because he's such a huge asshole. Everybody just ships Link with Sidon. Now, now. Lots of people also ship him with Cass and... Probably Rivali is the second most popular bird ship for this link. Rivali is the worst Rito in the game. <laughs> Yo, he's, cer- he's certainly no Cass. Oh, do you mean just in terms of dreaminess, or like as a character in general? Both. What about that one Rito shit kid who goes to live in Terrytown because he can't be bothered to look after his mom's store? Better than Rivali. <laughs> Yikes. But I don't want to run a store, so I'm going to go here and run a store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he'll stock it with the things that he likes, like arrows that explode. Well, I do like all of his arrows. Yes, of course you do. Uh, you're, you're right, Crystal. That guy runs a tight-ass arrow shop, so <laughs> gotta give it to him. Um, Zelda then goes to Daruk. She's, 
she's alone in this memory. No, she's not. No, she's, she's accompanied by two knights, like handmaidens. Oh, she's carried accompanied by knights. By right. two knights, we don't um, see who they that are. That Daruk looks back at them and he's like, "You should really have Gorans watching your back when all these monsters are around." Instead of the, he doesn't say it, but he implies it's because the knights of Hyrule are real puny. And historically, he's not wrong. Tellingly, Link's not. Link is super not there. He is not her guard yet. Mm. Or not one that would hang around with her always. No, not at this point. He's Uh, out doing his thing. Taruk seemingly says yes immediately. Yeah. Zelda's like, yeah, we're gathering up a bunch of champions and the Hylian who wields the sword that seals the darkness. And Taruk is like, ah, well, that can only be one guy. We learn through Taruk's journal he won't call it a diary because it's that kind of masculine coding. But we learned through Daruk's journal that he's actually known Link for a long time from his wanderings. And that at some point, Link ate rocks so that he could fit in better with Daruk. That's great. <laughs> Maybe he just wanted to eat the rock. Daruk rescues a dog that's being attacked by bokoblins. And we learned two things. One, Daruk can basically make explosions by swinging a sword. Two, he's terrified of dogs. How'd that happen? He's just big. He said that he got scared by a dog when he was a kid. That's it. He probably had that shield power the whole time. Oh, absolutely. And after this meeting where he agrees to pilot uh, Varudania, which he does not know how to do for a very long time, and we'll get to that. Uh, after this meeting, he actually offers rock sirloin to Zelda. I don't think she ends up eating any of it. He thought he's he chalks it up to her being too nervous. She's thinking too much about these serious things, so she's got no appetite. Crystal, to would be you- fair, it's not like Link was eating raw rocks. You know, Dara cooked them for him. <laughs> yeah, they're blazing glo- hot, glowing red with heat. Crystal, would you eat it? Yeah, I think uh, a Maynard reaction on rock would be good. <laughs> Yeah, why not? I know you would, Kim. I don't. No, I wouldn't. No? I don't have Link's teeth. Fuck that. That guy can literally eat just regular rocks with a sprig of parsley on them. Yeah, or basil. Or whatever, man. Mint. Link's bad as hell when it comes to eating stuff. (laughs) I love... Something that we're not going to cover at any point in any of these episodes is that there is a unique animation of a Goran eating rock sirloin that you only see at one point in the game. And somebody put a lot of effort into that animation. It looks really good, but you only see it if you do this one weird side quest. Eating rocks. <laughs> okay, so Zelda asked Daruk to pilot Varudania, and he's like, hell yeah. Yep. Um, and then Zelda goes to Mipha. What's this, about two weeks? Z. Z, because I don't want to write out Zelda. Oh, I see. Not two. And that's asks, not weeks. Oh, I see. My handwriting is terrible, but I can read it. Good, because I can't. And here's the third EX memory. Yep, yep. Where Mifa also learns about Link probably getting chosen. That's not a probable thing. Definitely going to be chosen. Yeah. Like, Zelda says the Hylian wielding the sword that seals the darkness, and Mifa immediately goes, oh, Link. It's no one else could possibly be it. Like, there's two people who know Link among the champions, and they are so confident in his supremacy and what he does that there's never any doubt in their minds. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely him he visited. Yes, true. Okay. <laughs> um, she's stern with Sidon. 
Kind of? Not really. She makes him go up the waterfall again. Uh, I mean, after showing him how it's done so he's not scared anymore. It's pretty cute. Yeah, it is. You see baby Sidon in this memory, and he's a wee little fellow with a head fin that's so long, it seems like he should constantly be tripping on it. I guess that's sort of like the paw size to indicate how big he'll be in the future. Yeah, maybe. Um, But Mifa can't officially say yes, because this has to clear through Dorafen. Yes, since she is... She unofficially says yes. Yeah, she wants to, and... Like, I think it takes a while for this to clear. Yeah. And a few other things happen in she, between. She has to present it not just to her father, but to the entirety of the Zora people, basically, because she is heir to the throne. Yeah. And, she's and she signing, can't just okay this on her she, own. Yeah, she's signing up to fight Ganon. Um, Are we coming back to that? Yeah. Um, Link, at this point, I think this is actually where this comes in. Link visits Mifa again. Yeah, Zelda leaves, and uh, Link comes back to visit, specifically to visit Mifa. According to Mifa. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Monica. I'm so but, glad that you find it in your heart to add in elements of doubt against the only text that we have that frames this at all. I couldn't write you into a fanfic because people would say that shit was too predictable. We're clashing eyes right now. Yeah, you can't see, you can't hear the sparks, but if you were here, you could see them. But this is the point where Link actually beats the Lionel of, is it Polonius? Ploimus. Ploimus. Yeah. Um, Mipha's like, there's a Lionel on Ploimus Mountain, it's terrorizing people. And Link's like, well, gonna go take care of that. And he just walks up there, doesn't say anything, and Mipha just follows him. And by the time they get up there, Mipha's like, hey, should we really be up here he actually talks to her he tells her to go back oh yes he he she's like should we really be doing this and he's like well you probably shouldn't be you should probably go and she's like you realize that i've been using a spear since before you were born right and then the lionel shows up and mifa actually describes this particular fight in two different ways in her diary she describes Link turning around with his sword when the Lionel attacks them from behind and just butchering the thing. When she talks to Link at the end of the DLC, uh, if you beat memory Water Blight Ganon enough times, she describes the two of them fighting the Lionel together. It didn't sound very together. It doesn't sound very together in her diary, no. Yeah. But it's like two different versions of the event. But she's really romanticizing the event here in her diary. She can't stop talking about how beautiful he is to watch. This is the Instagram post. This is the Instagram post. Shut up! (laughs) And this is also like the moment where she shifts over. Because realizing that Link is going to be fighting is why she agrees to pilot Varuta. And why she's willing to abandon her place as the potentially abandon her place as the crown princess. She's already reached that point. Sweetheart. What? You're, I know. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I'm just saying that chronologically she wants to help Link already. Before. That's what I just oh. literally said. <laughs> Crystal, is that not what I just said? <laughs> hmm <laughs> Are you going to hang back? Are you going to hang back while mom and dad are having a fucking spat over here? Huh? <laughs> Okay, so um, Mifa already agrees to pilot Varuta because Link will be fighting. 
which is me repeating what I just said. But it is in this moment that watching Link kill the Lionel that Mipha goes, oh, shit. Uh, she describes it in her diary as her heart being drawn to his. I was wondering, and the thought occurred to me today, that it's possible that Link was sent over to Zora's domain because Dorafan was holding back on letting Mipha pilot the Divine Beast. Your idea here is that Roam knows how much Dorafan cares about Link. Knows Link grew up there and may be the best shot at an envoy. You're suggesting that Link actually showed up to negotiate knowingly? Link. Yes. No. I reject that. Fuck you. I think it's possible. Uh Uh-uh. No way. Not even a little bit. Why why do you think he wouldn't be able to knowingly negotiate? Because Link can barely talk for the he weight can of still, his, yeah, for can, the weight of his destiny laid upon him. He's got a big special sword and he's got a connection to the Zora people. Like you don't send him to actively negotiate though. You send him because his presence is its own pressure. Right. That's fine. You don't need words when you can speak the language of love. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Dorfan cares about Link because uh-huh. Dorfan knew about Mipha's feelings for Link long before this point. Yes. And it's at this point, this specific occurrence is what causes Mipha to resolve to propose to Link, basically. And this is also, I mean, this is Shortly after this, Dorfan agrees, so yeah, it works. Yeah, after Link uh, beats feet and returns to Hyrule Castle, Dorfan's like, fine, fine, you can pilot it. And They it, award him a helm. They do award him a helm for destroying the Lionel. But and gets it's, him a fancy monument. It's never actually given to him. The helm is not given to him. It's in, It's made for him, but it's not given to him. It's enshrined later after his death. I figured... it. Can you pull up the... I cannot. Okay, fine. I don't know. He could have just... It could have just been returned afterwards. I don't know. They did enshrine it. They did enshrine it on the other side of the mountain. Yes. Okay, it's not worth fighting over. Oh, that'll be the first time you said that today. <laughs> so, the thing about Mifa deciding to propose to Link creates two possibility spaces here and you know where monica and i stand on either of them before i even fucking finish saying them one of them is that mifa and link had a pre-existing relationship that makes this reasonable and that what happened on ploymus mountain is that mifa realized she wanted to marry link and she's working towards the proposal the secret that she wants to tell him later, the gift she wants to give him, is literally just asking him to marry her, not making a love confession. The other possibility is that Mipha's skipping like six or seven steps in their relationship by you doing this. You don't know how Zora's court. <laughs> I told you that we were already <laughs> clearly cut down these lines. I mean... I could not have asked you to play to type better. Right, but we have Mifa here who clearly has not hugged Link because an inadvertent hug by Daruk is significant. Uh-huh. Yeah. We've talked about this before, too. Hugging is literally the most intimate thing you can do in Hyrule. Cameron. 
Hey, Crystal. Uh-huh? How many people do we see kiss in Hyrule? Nobody kisses. It's just hugs. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. We do see a couple of kisses. It's mostly Link and Zelda, but there's a couple in there. Oh, yeah. But we see almost nobody hug. Cameron. The only people that we see hug. <laughs> now who's the in The only hugs. people we see hug are Honey and Darling, the patron saints of Hyrulean Horny. Cameron. What? <laughs> this digging. What? Into this tunnel. What do you want? This tunnel of love. Yeah, love tunnel. I'm sorry, wh- which journal does the hug happen in? Oh, um, it doesn't actually happen in the journal. We'll come to that yes. in a minute. We got to get back to this. The point is, um, you can make a perfectly canonical reading based on the text that Meef Link is canon, and that Link and Meefle were in a position where then pro- where that proposal would have made sense. That's got space for it in the text. I know you disagree. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Okay, let's go to Zelda and Urbosa. I like to imagine a situation where Link is proposed to, and he's like, whoa, you're kind of skipping a lot of steps here, aren't you? Whoa. And uh-huh. Mifa's like, we, we've we been dating for like 12 years. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, Link, you, you gave me chocolates on white day. Come on. <laughs> You did it five years in a row. What did you think was going on? He's like, I thought you liked chocolate. <laughs> you are making this increasingly more shoujo. Yeah, because it's my favorite. Yeah, you love that stuff. Okay. Zelda, for some reason, just sends emissaries to Urbosa at first. Does she? Yes. Oh. It's in Urbosa's diary. Okay. Um, she also visits Urbosa last for Urbosa's official answer. I guess because she's physically traveling to each of these different parts. and The Gerudo Desert is the furthest out. Yeah. And she knows Urbosa's answer. Yeah, she does. And she wants to, like, go and actually visit her mom. So, like, that's what you would do. You'd save the your best and most comfortable visit for last. Yeah. Um, she goes, gets the official answer, and I guess... That night, the Yiga attack while they're on a stroll. Yeah, um, the Yiga, the uh, splinter clan of the Sheikah, who became a bunch of assassins devoted to worshipping Calamity Ganon, are now out for the blood of the Princess of Hyrule. And they happen to attack while Urbosa is there, and Urbosa fucks them up. She does a perfect parry. Oh, she parries the shit out of them. Shield parry. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. And also she blasts them with lightning, but she doesn't kill them. She's like, you owe your lives to the princess. Now do not show your faces again. And they're like, bleh, and they leave. Link doesn't really. No, we'll get to Link later. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so everybody has said yes. Yeah, everybody says yes. Urbosa spends a while reminiscing with Zelda about her mother. And she's calling Zelda Little Bird. Which is the name that... Zelda's mother used for her. Urbosa is Zelda's other mom. Just to be clear. Um, Everybody meets up for the inauguration ceremony at the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this ceremony is complete nonsense. (laughs) We left out the part where, like, the inauguration ceremony makes it sound like this is what makes everyone into champions. It's not. I I don't know. I I was writing maybe that training takes place after. It does not. Why? Why? 
Let's see. Da, da, da. When I think that it's actually in Zelda's diary, isn't it? Talking about Daruk and his piloting. No. Okay. I'll get to it. Sorry, I wrote a big timeline. Okay, okay, okay. Um, inauguration ceremony happens at the castle. The big revelation of this cutscene is something we already expected. The blue that the champions wear are emblematic of the royal family and also crafted by Zelda. Yeah, that's a little bit odd, but it's, it's kind a of a weird, it's a callback to Skyward Sword. Yeah. Also, it shares its basic structure with Zora princesses doing the same thing to people they want to marry. She mar- wants to marry five people? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's like it's a motif that the writers repeat. Yeah. And I'm not sure that they know they're repeating it. That is a little awkward. I guess it's just a trope that they really like. I guess so. Um, Rome sends them all off. He's like, yeah, go do the thing. thing. I, I understand what your task encompasses because I'm the king. <laughs> Fucking prick. Um... And then comes the really cute scene afterwards where they're sort of relaxing. They're chilling out. Zelda's showing everybody her iPhone. (laughs) They're really impressed with this new iPhone and photo feature. And Mifa's like, could you you do me a favor? Group photo? Group photo. And Pura takes the photo of the group. We don't see what Pura looked like when she was 20. Adult. But yes, Daruk snatches everybody into a hug. Yeah, it's like they all pose together, and just before uh, Pure is about to snap together, he brings his arm in, arms in and squeezes everybody all together, which like slams Mifa into Link and Link into Zelda. And you can see Orbosa hanging back there, like, ah, I see it happening. I see what you're doing, you son of a bitch. It's good. It is significant enough for Mifa to die, Rice. <laughs> Mifa loves that shit. Hugs being a sinful thing. Yeah, big sin. According to Big good sin. Big good sin. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. And then we actually get to the actual memories. Not actual memories, but the the memories in the actual game. Are the trials of the champions actually on your timeline? Yes. Really? Yes. Weird. Okay, go on. I figure they've got to be doing something while Link and Zelda are tromping around. Yeah, learning to pilot the Divine Beasts. Yeah. But the trials predate that. You, the, the idea that they would go to this ceremony and be inaugurated before proving that they could pilot the Divine Beasts strikes me as very odd. I'm open to alternatives. Because these trials that they undergo are extreme. Yeah. You wrote down what they are, What right? do you think, Crystal? Yeah, they probably should have done the trials before they gave them the job. Monica, did you write down what the trials are? I wrote down a few of them. I didn't write down. Each of them have three. Okay, each of them has three trials that they need to complete in order to prove themselves capable of piloting the Divine Beasts. Each of them have sort of a, like, follow the glowy light beam sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a interpretive one. Well... Each of the glowy light beam ones are interesting, though. Uh, Rivali's involves going down, like, a slope at extremely high speeds. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's having to soar real close to the ground. And the only way Link can match that is by shield surfing. Uh, Mifa actually has to swim out into the ocean for, like, a mile. 
Yeah. Which is interesting because if we believe that Freshwater Zora are different from Sea Zora, she's going out into very alien territory. Maybe she also took a raft. That would be weird and interesting. And, uh... Daruk has to... I don't know how Daruk did his. Daruk actually has to just, like, wade out into lava. I guess. Like, he has to go out into the middle of this big lava field where it turns out there's an invisible platform that he can just stand on. Yeah. Urbosa goes uh, seal surfing. Yeah, she goes seal surfing on the sand seals. Seriously. Um, but each of them also have a, uh... A big power fighty thing. Yeah, a combat trial. Combat trial. It's like power, wisdom, and courage, kind of. Um, but the notable ones, um, Urbosa had to beat a Malduga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Daruk had to beat a Fire Talus. Is oh, it called a Fire Talus? Uh, I think you're underselling what's going on with this intense bullshit that they had to do. It was like a colossal. Urbosa had to defeat the, like, fucking uh, Shai Hulud out there. Uh, a, a Molduga that's like five times the size of a regular Molduga and has a commensurate amount of health. Daruk has to fight the colossal Fire Talus, mm-hmm. who is... Like giant, it is as big compared to a regular talus as a regular talus is compared to the little baby ones that you can pick up and throw. Yes. What does Rivali have to do? I'll get to Rivali last. Mifa has to fight. Like, is it two or three? It's flying three guard- flying guardians with a spear. That's like what super bullshit because. I hated fighting flying guardians. They're the hardest enemies in the game unless you shoot them in the eye with an ancient arrow. But she kills three of them with her spear. Yeah. Mifa's scary as shit. What See, revolving? the thing is, I don't... I, I guess they have to say yes, and then they go through these trials, and then they get inaugurated. I guess yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, Zelda okay. comes and asks them to do it, and they're like, sure, and then they undergo the trials. Okay, cool. I'm glad we sorted this out. I thought we sorted it out this afternoon. Yeah, Okay. No, Rivali is not notable for his fighting trial. The notable part is he has to shoot Dinral's horn. Oh, yes. Which means he can see Dinral. Yes. Was that... Can other people not see the dragons? No, they can't. There are actually multiple people who can't see the dragons. Right. Which implies... There's a few characters in the game who are spiritually sensitive in the way that Zelda tries to be. That Rivali can see Denral implies that he is one of those people. I guess it's another, like, he has magic, sort of. Sure. But it's sort of like how Paya can hear spirits. We discovered that in her diary today. Right. Oh, not her diary. In the gossip diary. Yeah, the gossip diary. People have an image of an enlightened person being, like, uh, very passive and humble and peaceful. But you can totally be enlightened and still be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rivali. It's Rivali. So his he he shot Denral's horn, which cool. And then he had to get his way up out of that canyon. So they do all these trials, and then they go do the ceremony, and then we get to the final pilgrimage of the Princess Zelda. Yes. <laughs> Why are you blinking on my page? You crossed out a lot of notes. Well, I was trying to figure out things chronologically. Oh, I see. They moved about a bit. Um, so s- memory one, subdued ceremony, which is the additional 
ceremony that... Is it Zelda's idea? No, it's Daruk's idea. It's Daruk's idea. After right. the bit where they take the group photo... And Daruk's, it's nice and lighthearted. And it's nice and lighthearted. Everybody's in a good mood. Daruk is like, hey, we should have this special thing like for Link in particular since he has to fight Ganon on his own with a sword. And Zelda, you should totally like give him a blessing. That's a thing, right? And Zelda's like, oh... But she does it. And it is just this long tortured sequence that she is plainly just suffering through the whole thing and Link's there kneeling and the perspective of the sequence is actually rooted in the champions who are looking on and they're all like and Daruk is like I cannot believe that I thought this was a good idea and Urbosa's like what what did you expect? Link is literally a reminder of how Zelda thinks that she's failing right now because he's ready for Ganon to show up but she's not Fuck, Daruk. Good job. Urbosa is so mad at Daruk, but she keeps it under control. If it was Rome, she'd probably punch him. Daruk meant well. Daruk did mean well. That's a big difference. Um, Zelda starts taking photos. Yes, Zelda. This is her first photo. She gets so fucking pissed after this. She's just like, you know what? This is a nice sunset. I'm just <laughs> going to take a picture of the sunset. It's so- all of the All of the memories from this point onward listeners, are obtained by going to a place where Zelda took a photograph and remembering events that preceded or came after that photograph. Just significant moments, not definitely not just happy moments. No, no, no. Usually not, actually. Yeah. Very few happy moments. So we've got this ceremony where Zelda mentions like all the different timelines, and it's very depressing. And she doesn't actually finish by the end of the memory. Everybody just stands around kind of awkwardly. Yeah. A very strong framing device. The champions are, I think, basically not really needed at this moment. It seems like they go back to continue bonding or training with the Divine Beasts. Yes. And Zelda undergoes her regimen of prayer and sneaking off to experiment and but also and more prayer and also more prayer um she takes notes of the different aptitudes of each of the champions yeah that comes up later aptitudes like how mifa takes to it easiest oh like, yes what did you think I, that comes up later or? no i think it's worth mentioning now yeah she mentions that daruk has problems with controlling the divine beast and she's surprised by it. She hopes it's not rude to say, but she's actually surprised by how easily Mifa takes to it. Yes. And Arbosa and Rivali are fine. They're fine. They'll figure it out. Um, from here, Zelda and Link visit Rito Village. Um, Zelda ostensibly to speak to the Elder. There isn't anything over there, is there, in terms of shrines? Is that before they leave the castle to go find Daruk? Yes. Oh, Okay. It's Rivali's flap. Okay. Which is not a very memorable memory. I guess they're just over there to check in on Rivali. Like, how are you doing, asshole? And he's like, yeah. Well, I don't really know why Zelda's speaking to the elder. Rivali remarks it because he shows off to Link, shows him his very special skill. He's like, hey, I can fly. Can you fly? I thought not. <laughs> Bye. That's the whole fucking scene. Um, they head back. 
Link and Zelda head to Gorin Village because Daruk is having troubles and Zelda gets it an idea to recalibrate Varudania. Okay, I think you have skipped the bit. No, this is the memory when they're walking over to Death Mountain. Okay, because I think that conversation is worth describing. Yeah. I. Okay. Link's memory, three, resolve, and grief. Okay, okay, okay. Do you want to explain the memory? No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I don't. Why don't you explain the memory? No, go ahead. They're walking. Oh, <laughs> you can just say you want me to narrate. That's fine. That, that's what I mean. I thought you were doing it because I was being pushy. No. I'm very pushy. Our listeners are familiar with it. Please be pushy. Crystal's familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I try to keep it under control. Push away. I, I'm not good at it. So, actually, Crystal, you describe this one. What am I describing? The memory. Uh, what's it called? Resolve and grief. Resolve and grief. Resolve and grief. Let me bring it up. All right, folks, welcome to my live stream of Zelda Breath of the Wild Memory 3, Resolve and Grief. <laughs> uh, see, Link, Link is looking out onto the, onto the lake. Zelda, Zelda is, uh, is walking with Link on the lake, and she's talking about, you know, she's going to make some adjustments to uh, Va Rudania so Daruk can pilot it as easy as possible. He has finally figured out how to get it to move, but, you know, there's still a lot to learn. It's still very early days. She's so impressed that something like the Divine Peace could even be built by people. She's just going on and on about how awesome the Divine Beasts are and how much we still don't know and how she's very excited to research them and how they're going to be their best shot at killing Ganon. And Link is not saying a word. He's just walking behind Zelda, watching out for bad guys what might ambush them but then Zelda falls silent because she realizes that you know Link is super proficient with a sword he's a super knight he's been trained since he was a little boy and she feels bad because she's not very good at doing the sealing power and she asks Link if he can hear the legendary voice that's said to be within the sword. It's good shit, actually. <laughs> Can he? We Can don't know. Can you hear it, hero? Oh, that's my shit right there. We don't know, and Link doesn't say. Yeah. Or maybe it just cuts out. Yeah. Link's answers are not important here. You can assume in a lot of cases he does say something at some point. But he's very... T- like... The memory's tied to him. 100 years ago, Link is extremely taciturn, textually. You don't have to read between the lines to get, like, Majora's Mask Link or Ocarina of Time Link, where he's just kind of quiet and reserved. Breath of the Wild Link 100 years ago goes through a period of, like, three or four years where he doesn't fucking talk to people. Yeah. He gets better later, though. Zelda does ask, I guess, if Link would be able to beat Ganon like this. How strong are you wielding that sword on your back? The answer's no. That's, mm, yes? Maybe? I think he probably could have based on our on our own experiences fighting Ganon, but Ganon doesn't make it into a direct fight. I, you because, count the guardians. <laughs> because much like Hyrule, Ganon's not actually interested in a fair fight. Yeah. Okay. Um, people who play the who don't play the DLC may assume that Zelda makes appropriate calibrations to 
Valrudania and, you know, Daruk can control it better. That's not what happens. But the DLC um, and in Daruk's training journal makes it very clear that the solution is Link punts Daruk into Valrudania, locks him up for a day with, like, Daruk wandering lost, and in the end he's formed a tighter bond. It's like he just, like, you're not coming out until you know how to pilot this fucking thing. And then he lets him out once he knows how to pilot the fucking thing. <laughs> That's really great. That gives good. a lot of character for Link. It does, actually. You could tell that he was um, he was a pain in the ass he as a He was a, a hands-on guy. Yeah. When you got training under Link, it was going to work because you didn't have any choice but to make it work. And after the training um, is the next memory, Daruk's medal. Metal. Yes, where Link it. This is why Link is on Varudania with Daruk. It's at the end of the day of training, where he's moving Varudania around, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, this feels good. I'm gonna make this work. Everybody better watch out for me, cause Daruk coming." And the mountain explodes. The mountain explodes, and Daruk blocks this giant boulder that plainly would have killed him and Link. And he's like, "That's weird." Death Mountain doesn't usually do that sort of thing. And it plays this real spooky note. Um, The next memory that comes up is Zelda's resentment. She clearly has a day where she can make time for science. And she's correctly trying to place the Sheikah Slate on a shrine um, entrance. Why won't it work? (laughs) But the shrine's not on... And I don't know if it's tied to, you know, it only working for the hero, because surely they've tried getting Link to touch. Really? You don't think that they did? They must have done that. No, I don't think so. You mean to say that Zelda did not permit Link to handle the... This coming from the woman who thinks that she didn't go and visit the exposed Sheikah Tower on the Great Plateau. Yes, she had limited time to explore. (laughs) She had time to go see the Chamber of Resurrection. They mentioned the discovery of it. Does she actually go there? They do mention that both of them share theories on it. Yes. She and Pura have done studies of the Chamber of Resurrection so that they can form concurrent theories about its function. Yes. So, yes, I think that it's textually implied that she was there. I think that what really happened is that, like, the whole thing is tied to the Chamber of Resurrection being used. That sucks. I, I don't like they they had a prophecy and they were working on it why don't you just activate the shrines earlier because ganon might fuck with them somehow what do you want from me i didn't write this okay i don't know anyway she the the shrine isn't on and sort of the slate isn't on either she's so talking to herself so it doesn't work. She's she, getting mad at she it. She wants to make a workaround because she thinks it's stupid that this is all tied towards the hero. Why is everything dependent on us fulfilling the roles in prophecy? Why does Link have to semi-die for a hundred years and get the kingdom blasted? Well, that's not really Nintendo. what she's thi- That's not what she's thinking. No, but, <laughs> but I'm saying it. Yeah, but she's thinking like, I, if I can figure this out, I can save the kingdom and my failures won't mean anything. Right. But she can't make it work. Um, Link rides up because he's like, clearly he's been left behind. Yeah, she. this is kind of a theme of Zelda trying to outpace Link. And she yells at him and is unkind. Yeah, she's like, you can just go back to the castle and tell my dad I don't need a guardian. And stop following me. And stop following me. She's so cute. <laughs> 
She's me. The line reading at that part is so cute. She has such thick eyebrows. It's the oh my god. So she's like you want being pouty. You want to pat her head. Oh Kim. <laughs> she's a baby. She'd hate. You. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, I hate me, so that's not that big oh, a step down. Oh, say that. Why would you say that? So after she has this moment where she's like, stop following me. There's an ongoing pattern forming now with the memories. Uh, Zelda escapes Link uh, by going into uh, Gerudo Town. This is actually outlined in Urbosa's diary, because Urbosa knew that she was doing this. Yes. Well, Zelda runs into town, and they won't let Link into town. Yeah, he just can't come in. And Zelda uses this knowledge against him to get away from him. And Link... Speaks Urbosa, I guess she has to leave town. Yeah, he's say, like, yeah. he sends a message like, okay, Zelda's plainly not coming out. Get the chief to come out and talk to me because we have to take care this of this shit. This is a shit. lot of talking from Link. Yeah, from Link. It's like, this is serious. And, and she's like, you could come in, but I'm going to put you in a woman's clothes. And he's like, fine, let's go. But by the time he gets in there, Zelda's gone. These are really stupid rules. <laughs> Just... Just making ex- instead of making an exception and saying, "Gee, it's really important for you to find the princess." Well, I mean, we'll get into the stupidity surrounding Gerudo Town in the episode where we talk about the worst sequence in the game. Yeah. Okay. Unless, uh, do you want to talk about this now, Crystal? Oh, we can get to it when we get to it. Okay. Zelda. Actually, Link goes home. He doesn't go home. No, he canonically, in, in the diary entry, Link goes home. Home? Yeah, he couldn't, I don't know why Urbosa used home, but he goes away. I gotta read this shit. Give me a minute. I promise to let him know. Okay, Urbosa plainly doesn't realize what happens after this. I think her view of Link going home. No, things happen in between this. Link Actually, I think this is a weird time jump. The next memory is Urbosa's hand or whatever. Oh, okay. Fist? Snappity snap? Right, 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 right. So Link goes home. Zelda, I guess, is still hanging around. Urbosa's like, listen, she's in the city. I'll take care of her. Go away. But at some point, Zelda goes back to Urbosa. And she's like, Mom, help. And they go to Vonnaboris together. Yeah, because she can get some privacy on Vonnaboris, and she can cry to her mom and fall asleep. They had like a whole bed area set aside. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of nice. It's it's for Urbosa to go lounging, but also Zelda's here, so she can use it. Um, Zelda falls asleep, and that's where Urbosa tips Link off. And Link shows up, and he's like, "Mm." (laughs) And I guess Zelda gets woken up. By Urbosa doing the thunderclap. But with the memories, Zelda instantly runs off again. She does. Like, she beats feet, and Urbosa's just like, I'm sure this is fine. Only the Yiga are around, so it's not fine. It's not fine at all, actually. Uh, because this area, the Yiga are based in the Gerudo here. Desert. Yeah. Like, at this point in the story, they haven't expanded outward. I'm assuming because the Hylian Guard was present enough that them trying to press into Hyrule proper would be a problem for them. Oh, right. The previous attack was here, too. Yes. The only time that we see the Yiga in the past is in the desert. Okay. So Zelda, off on her own again, is attacked by the Yiga. And she's almost killed by them. And then Link shows up. And Link is not very much like Urbosa. 
Urbosa will not spill people's blood in front of Zelda. Link just ices motherfuckers. And that's memory seven. Blades of the Yiga. Yeah, Blades of the Yiga show up and he kills a guy. It's the first time that Link has killed a human being on screen in a while that looks like a human. Yeah. It's been a minute. Zelda's into it. She's like, oh my god. I love that murder. Whoops. <laughs> it's very... And the other two Yiga are looking at this guy and they're like, can we take him? And he takes one step forward and they're like, no, we can't fucking take him. And that's about where the memory ends, but he killed those guys too. I imagine that he yelled at Urbosa after this. Because I can't Ur- imagine. Because <laughs> Urbosa is absolutely facilitating Zelda getting away from him. Probably. Either by neglect or by active duty. And the fact that the Yiga are attacking Zelda in Urbosa's domain is at least partially down to her. Yeah, but now they're closer together, so it's all good. I, hmm, that's one way to put it. Um, this is, Zelda warms up to him after he saves her life. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy diarizing around this point. Yeah. Um, Zelda realizes she's being an asshole and makes it a point to apologize the next morning and makes it a point to talk, actually talk to Link instead of at Link. And over time, she manages to pull him out of his shell. Right. Slowly. I imagine over food. Yes. Food-based talks. She does describe him as a glutton. Um, in Daruk's journal, he mentions that Link has opened up to Zelda and she in return. Again, over food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that Zelda comes to the realization that they are the same. Yeah, they are both burdened by destiny. It sucks because Zelda doesn't get an amnesia reprieve to brighten up her day. No, she doesn't. She gets it the hardest of anyone in this story, except for the people who get murdered and trapped for 100 years, I guess. Yeah. Um, Urbosa notes that Zelda is smiling more as time progresses. Good. And I guess the remainder of the memories. Link and Zelda spend a long time traveling together, actually. Yeah. This is a lot of wandering. Like. Well, it's not just wandering. They're going around. They're checking on the divine beast. Purposeful wandering. Traveling. Okay. Um, next memory is a premonition, which is, uh, I think, the most interesting memory. Crystal, do you remember that memory on Death Mountain? Oh, yes. What goes down? Oh, you mean the one where he murders all the monsters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, sort well, of monsters? I, it begins with just a pan over just a lot of dead monsters, including multiple Lynels. And Zelda's like... Ah, Link, you know, there's a fine line between courage and recklessness. You gotta be careful. Even though Link seems pretty unscathed after killing all of these monsters. He's got like a hand injury. A little scratchy scratch. And she mentions that the frequency and scale of the monster attacks is on the rise, which is a sign of Ganon coming back. Do you think, Crystal, that it's significant that the monsters aren't poofing? That is very interesting. Why don't they poof? Why don't they? Yeah. Maybe it's simply that Ganon's not free. So he's not there to bring them back. Some monsters say dead. And making them vanish is the first step in reviving them. Hmm. I th- this is also important because it's one of two sequences that establishes how fucking horrifying this version of Link is. Like, noth- there's... 
three white Lionel corpses just lying there. And that's the second highest tier of Lionel you can fight in the game. And he doesn't take but one hit during that entire fight where he kills like 50 guys. And you can't do anything like that in actual <laughs> gameplay. It's it's a bit absurd. He's a monster. Well, you know, a figurative monster as compared to these literal monsters. He's a monster to monsters. <laughs> um, Memory 9 comes up. It's Silent Princess. Zelda is, again, taking a break. And they come across a Silent Princess flower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get this shit on the nose. It's, oh gosh, I, it's the, the eye rolling line of the princess can only thrive out here in the wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my shit. Let's no, go. it's yeah. bad. It's bad. It's bad, but it's my shit. Let's go. Okay. Um, uh, they find a hot footed frog. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like, hey. Did, did people not know to cook the frogs? No, they or knew. Was, did Zelda just want a new branch of experimenting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she wanted Link to eat a raw frog. She likes this boy, and she's not actually cognizant of how much she likes him. And she doesn't know how to express this feeling she can't articulate to herself. So instead, she asks him to eat a frog. Alive. Yeah. The frog's not very bothered by the whole ordeal. Crystal, does Link eat the frog? Yeah, probably. (laughs) He eats weirder shit over the course of the game. While you were going through the trial of the sword, he ate, like, 25 pounds of wood. (laughs) It cooked separately. Yeah. He needed that quarter heart. He really did not. It's like 10 hearts. Crystal, there's a part in the trial of the sword where you can chill out between different levels and this part is full of apples, and it's got some barrels with meat and stuff in it, so you can make um, healing items. But the thing about Monica is that this place is also full of trees. And if you cook wood, you get a meal made of wood that recovers one quarter of a heart. So what Monica did was she destroyed every single one of these trees with bombs and gathered up all the wood that she go- could and cooked each piece of wood individually about 40 pieces of wood they don't stack they do not stack but cam i also in each level before that resting level bombed all of the trees before descending the over the course of the trial of the sword she cooks like 200 pieces <laughs> of wood i i wouldn't have been able to win i i just why <laughs> I just wanted to put this out there so that you could understand the kind of person that Monica is. I'm not a good, like, fighter. You actually are pretty good. I'm, I'm good with a bow, but I'm not as good at, you know, dodging and stuff. That ain't what Demise said. Okay. Well, why just cook a bunch of wood? Because she needed to have every single healing item she could. Y- you are limited in your healing items. You don't get the, the weapons and items from outside of the it's, trial. It's strictly OSP. What's mm. OSP? On-site procurement. Okay. It's a Metal Gear reference in the context of this conversation. Oh, okay. So some <laughs> one of our listeners out there probably did something very similar to Monica, but I think most of them are probably sitting back going, oh my god, I understand Monica much better now. I think people already knew this about me. Oh, well, I didn't. Um, Link's hand is still injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably gotten worse. Zelda patches it up 
but she apparently doesn't do a great fucking she's job. She's not a healer. No, she's not. Better go talk to the healer. Yeah, so Link makes a private trek to Zora's domain. Mifa is tipped off about this, and she makes plans. To propose to Link. A romantic sunset proposal. Um, I don't think... Does he actually make the trip alone? Yes. Okay. Mifa is capitalizing on this chance because she was pretty upset that Link was going to be hanging out with Zelda. Link, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cam is double checking the diary to be sure. Yeah, I just wanted to be sure because it would make sense for Zelda to be there. Yeah. So Link does actually, he's like, uh, I guess this is a bad wound. And also you might've made it worse when you rubbed salt in it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go get this taken care of. Don't worry. The Zora are great at this. A romantic sunset proposal on the trunk of Va. Ruta. Ruta. To the best of our knowledge, it does not follow through. No. Mifa's diary stops here. I think it's pretty clear in the memory, which is... God, what's the name of the memory? Uh, Mifa's something. Well, at any rate, during the memory, Mifa remarks that... She hopes that after this whole thing finishes off, that maybe things can go back to how they used to be when they were young. You know, maybe we could spend some time together. Which I really do think is her realization that they've grown apart. Well, I mean, (laughs) when you say grown apart, how do you mean? Because she, she, like, lays it out. She bails on the proposal. Link has distanced himself from the people around him. It's not her realizing that they've grown apart. Well, there's that. I'm not blaming it on her. Uh, No, what? I think the proposal could actually follow this scene if you want to read it that way. What? Yeah. Anyway, though, it doesn't seem like it happened because Dorafan still has the armor. Yep. That armor sure does fit Link real good. Yeah, she knows his measurements. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Monica's losing. What if what what we're actually looking at is Mifa made the proposal, and Link said yes. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're married, and they've been (laughs) married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret marriage. Oh, no, no, no. They're like, maybe it's like, he says yes, and they're going to get married after it's over. (gasps) Oh! Yeah. Why isn't he wearing the armor? Because it, like, it actually is secret. They're going to make the full announcement once Ganon's defeated. I'll read it in your fanfic. Oh, I have to. Yeah, okay. That's the best. <laughs> isn't that shit the best, Crystal? They're going to get yeah. married after. Yeah. Yeah. You two. Shut up. It's good. Monica, it's the best ship in this game. I like the tragedy angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Strong tragedy. Link's memory 11, shelter from the storm. Oh, boy. I never really understand the phrasing. I feel like the phrasing in this memory is really weird. How is it that the only memory name you didn't write down was the one that takes place on Varuta? No, I I actually missed like three other memories later down. Oh. But then I had to go back and do it, but I didn't realize I made the error earlier. Oh, I see. Okay. Go on. Shelter from the storm. I don't quite understand the phrasing in this one. What do you mean? Uh, Link is training. It is raining. Zelda is sheltered under a tree. Yep. And she wonders, she remarks that he's taken the path of the night like his father. Yep. 
And she wonders if he would have chosen a different path if, you know, he realized he wasn't meant to be a fighter. Um, but everybody keeps on pushing him towards that path. Yeah, it's like, like... Would you have chosen something differently? Because at this point, it shifted over to... It's like, she really admires Link, and she admires his strength. And she wonders how he, as the person who most closely can understand her own experiences, would have handled the things that she struggles with. Because he's not struggling with them, but he's the only person with a perspective that even begins to match what she's going through. The crucial line here, and I think it should have been stressed or placed a little bit further down or something, is would you have chosen a different path if you felt like you weren't meant to be a fighter. If you felt like you weren't meant to be a fighter, but everyone else was saying that you were supposed to be. What would you, what have, would done? you have done? Yeah, that would be, I would have rewritten that like that. Because as it is, I'm just like, what? Oh, I see. You thought that the script writing was kind of clumsy. Yes. Okay. And I don't know if that's down to the localization or was it just like that? Ultimately, it's definitely a localization problem, but I could see it being a problem with like the lip syncing. You, you can get... They got to write it to fit the lip flaps. You, you get why I'm confused at this, right? It's a little bit... The hinge line is for, if you felt like you weren't meant to be a fighter. It, for our listeners who are a little bit lost right now, Monica is suggesting that the uh, primary clauses of this sentence get mixed around a little bit so that it flows more easily and dramatically. Yes. And Zelda's depressed about it. And as she asks that question, Link puts down the sword and he turns it. He looks at her and he's like, wow, that you are thinking about some shit. And we fade out. Um, Link and Zelda go to the Spring of Courage. Oh, this is a bad one. No, that's the Spring of Power. Oh, I'm sorry. There's no memory around the Spring of Courage. Um, which spring do you think she went to commonly to do her prayer thing. Uh, the closest one would have been the Spring of cur- Courage. They're almost equidistant. Yeah. I figure power because Akala's at least inhabited. True. Faron is... Wild. Not. And full of, like, Thunder Lizalfos. Yeah. Um, they go to the Spring of Courage. This isn't really a memory. Yeah, it's not covered. It only comes up because... Um, Zelda then spends a day off researching and then goes back to the castle and Robbie's got the Guardian's mobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's super hyped to see them walking around. She's like, this is the greatest. We're going to be so fucking ready when Ganon shows up. And then her dad shows up. Oh, Rome's here. Rome's here to cancel the party. Rome's here to be a bad dad. He will not cease. He's going to keep going. This memory sucks. It's a good memory. Because it has people talking at each other. Yeah, yeah. With each other. There's actual conversation going on here, which is unusual for a lot of these memories. Um, We see Zelda interact with her dad. She kind of pushes back against him a little bit. She tries. It's a fair shot. Not very successfully. What can you really say? Like, he he implies... No, he outright states that she's a disappointment and... She's a disappointment to him, and the regular people of Hyrule are calling her the... What is, is it? Something to a kingdom of nothing. Uh, the princess of, yeah, princess of a kingdom of nothing. The heir to a kingdom of nothing. I think he made that up. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, he. You're saying he's gaslighting his daughter. Yes. No. Rome. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank no one you. Fucking call Zelda the heir to a kingdom of right, nothing. Who says that? 
Fair enough. Okay, so it's we've like, decided that Rome isn't just a shitty dad who's neglectful. He's actively abusive. He's trying to encourage her. This is his idea of encouragement. Yes. Rome is the kind of guy who makes Twitter posts like, my five-year-old said, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know that kind. Yeah. <laughs> said what? It's not good. Like, said something enlightening? No. No, like... My five-year-old said political opinion. Why don't they just do that, mommy? Oh. I'm like, I don't know, son. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. But, yeah, probably. Rome's act, he, Rome not only put Zelda down in this, and apparently gaslights the shit out of her, telling that the whole kingdom hates her. That's a phrase that ends up being fucking used. Um we don't have any proof. Like everybody seems like supportive, worried. Every, every, yeah, everybody's but worried, but they're they're behind Zelda. All the researchers are like, "Hell yeah, she's one of the best we got." But no, Rome's like everybody says you suck. So the only solution to this is that you are hereby forbidden to use your time in any way except for the pursuit of your training, and that's only going to hold for about another month because Zelda's about to become <laughs> of age and be the new monarch. But he's still running on that power trip and the fact that he's her father to use that familial advantage over her, which is more fucked up the longer I keep talking about it. Yeah. Is Rome the worst dad in the series? <laughs> yeah. Is he worse than Daphnis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like, Daphnis is bad, but he's not like this. Um, and Zelda, she can't say shit. Yeah. She just stands there. Fume. This is where we get that gif of her balling up her fist in barely restrained fucking rage. Yes. And Link can't say shit during this whole thing. He's like, oh. Got my head down. I'm kneeling. I'm kneeling. Kneeling my ass off. He's looking up. I don't know. Shitty memory. Time to take a photo. Time to take a photo. I don't know why Zelda would do that. Yeah. No, I, I guess think she's she like blogging. I think she... Oh, yeah. This is Zelda's Instagram. My dad yelled at me today, and it wasn't very good. No, it's got to be a vague, vague post, a vague book. A vague book. Yeah. Okay. He's I don't like, know how those are framed. A lot happened today. Guardians look good. <laughs> but I'm not supposed to talk about that. All right. See ya. Yes. Thank you. <sighs> um, and I guess, obediently, they head off to Akala... Um, to the Shrine of Power, Spring of Power. And, and this really highlights that Zelda praying at the Shrine, because this is the first time we actually see her doing it. It sort of parallels the imagery that Skyward Sword feeds us. She's basically going through the motions of purifying herself in the same way that the goddess incarnate is said to have purified her body. Outfit and all. Outfit and all. It's a more modern interpretation of Zelda's spirit maiden outfit, but it's basically the same fucking dress. Zelda cusses out Hylia here. You go, girl. She's so mad at how unfair the world is being to her. But we also learn here that her grandmother could hear spirits. Her mother could speak to things on the other side, but she can't hear any of it. She curses Hylia for giving her this burden, but not helping her to deal with it. And then... She drops that entire anger and instead beseeches her god, asking what's missing inside of her. What's wrong with me? Nintendo really wanted you for, to feel for Zelda. 
it worked to me. <laughs> I'd say they were generally successful. I liked it. She was good. Um, cheerful memory next. <laughs> Crystal, what did you think of that memory? Did it work for you? I thought her phrasing of, I pleaded to the spirits tied to the ancient gods is interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're thinking, Uh, like, to the dragons? I don't know. Or maybe the ancient gods are the Triforce gods. She's probably prayed to everybody in the course of ten years. Yeah. It's covered a lot. Um, The next memory... Did I write down the name? See, I did not. Oh, to Mount Lanaru. Oh, boy. I filled this in. Um, It actually mentions in the memory description that they're returning from a field survey. So I'd like to think of this as one last fuck you, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you're not to do anything with these robots. And then she goes and looks at some goddamn robots. <laughs> Good job, Zelda. Yeah. Um, Link has in the um, interim uh, taught Zelda how to... Ride a horse. Ride a horse and take care of a horse. And I find like this is like one of the more effective moments in characterizing Zelda in that she explains that she wanted her horse to work towards deserving the brittle bridle bridle she's really projecting onto her horse here right it's got to earn it yeah you got to earn it and then she's like wait no that's just gonna trust this horse that's ridiculous like link said but that's like a nice subtle bit of um characterization and she's like you know what maybe i can do this and this horse is is earning it's really you know it's taking my expectations yeah it's like it's a good horse i like this horse and Link is like, I'm glad you like the horse. And she quotes Link, which pisses everybody off. Oh, that, yeah. That Link the only talks like Link this. Link talks, but only off screen. It's fine. It, it's fine. It's fine. Um, we don't need Link to talk. We really don't. We don't. God, we don't even need anyone else to talk. Uh, like voices. No. No. Crystal, what's your take on this? Should Link talk or not? Well, there's two parts to that question. One... Should Link have spoken dialogue that is recorded by a voice actor? Yes. <gasps> oh. <gasps> okay, the second part of that, I guess you've already answered, is should the Zelda series in general have triple A style voice acting? Oh, yes. <gasps> oh. All right, we're divided on this. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, after they finish riding their horses... Zelda tells Link that tomorrow is her 17th birthday. I guess this is how she celebrates by sneaking off and sciencing. One cannot go up the mountain because only the wise are permitted to walk on its slopes. And when you're 17, you're an adult and wise. Well, I mean, if your mother is supposed to pass down the Triforce to you at 17, I get it. Yeah, okay, fine. Right, so she goes up... Mount Laneru tomorrow, and it's, it'll be her first time at the Spring of Wisdom. The first time. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen there. And she's still keeping up hope that something might change. Yes. Which, that's optimism. It is. And arrangements are made so that the champions will either escort her to Laneru or will see her at the bottom. Yes. Rivali makes a stink about it. Yes. It's kind of a dick. At this point, I guess... Because I haven't mentioned it already, there's some bard creeping on Zelda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Sheikah. He's a Sheikah, and by the like memory thing, he's he looks like he's in his twenties. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's 
It's, he could be much older than that. It's he hard could to be tell. much, much older than that. It's really hard to tell because, like, they all wear masks and they all have white hair. So the age signifiers that are used for the rest of the cast don't really work on them. Let's just say that he looks identical to Robbie when they show up. We'll pretend that he's 20. Uh, he has a suite on for Zelda, who is 16. Yeah. And sings a bunch of Love ballads. ballads. Yeah, basically. But he, he he's not stupid. He's like, oh man, she is so into that guy over there. Yeah, but could he just not creep on the sixteen-year-old? No, that's asking a lot. That's asking a lot of the people writing this character. I was circling sixteen at this point. Yeah, you circled it like thirty times. Okay, um, Mount Laneru. We don't see what happens there. We know what happens. We know what happens. Nothing nothing. happens. They come back down. They walk down and they're sad and Zelda confirms that she couldn't feel anything. And Urbosa's like, fine, we'll figure something else out. This is just a stopping point. This isn't the last. Anything could awaken your power. And Mifa, it takes her a moment to try to explain, but she thinks it's important to... Tries to explain that she thinks about things when she's healing. Like she take before she resolves to go and talk to Zelda about this, she stops and she looks at she Link. She looks over at Link. And she's like, Okay, I'm gonna make this work. I'm gonna put this out in the open. Yeah. She's, she's a big Yeah, she's super gonna do it. She's gonna do it and she's gonna change the course of the entire story. And she's like, When I'm healing people, I find that it helps to think about the one that I... Earthquake. Ah, <laughs> oh, Ganon. The timing of this is a bit suspicious. How do you mean? Again with Awake right after Zelda's been to all the springs? Uh-huh. On her 17th birthday? Yeah, on her 17th birthday. It's like at sunset, right? Yes. It seems to imply that something was supposed to happen on Zelda's 17th birthday that did not happen, and that completely broke the seal. Yeah. And Ganon is free. And Rivali takes to the sky to confirm it. And we see the atrocity that has completely engulfed Hyrule Castle. And Daruk orders the champions, who, in this memory, I believe, are not carrying their weapons, to return to the Divine Beasts and prepare for battle. Won't need weapons going to the Divine Beasts. That's right. I did want to confirm whether they had their weapons or not. Did they? Can you pull up the memory? Yeah, just a second. Return of Calamity Ganon. I know what it's called. Oh, nice. Good job. Oh, they absolutely do not have their weapons. That's good. Mifa's, I mean, it's bad. Mifa's not carrying her spear. Daruk doesn't have the boulder breaker. Rivali doesn't have his bow or the sword that he apparently owned, according to a later sequence. And it seems like Urbosa's carrying neither her sword nor her shield. So I guess they were all relying on Link to handle it if shit went south. But to then be fair. They're all also huge badasses without their weapons. And yeah, Urbosa has her Lightning snappity. And Daruk's a Goran. And Mifa's a healer. Rivali can fly away. <laughs> but Daruk's like, okay, little guy, you get your way over to the Hyrule Castle and we'll get in the Divine Beasts. And we're all going to lay in to Calamity Ganon together. And that isn't what happens. Zelda decides she wants to do something. Something. Anything. And so she goes with Link. She does go with Link. 
And that is when things go truly well off the rails. The champions reach the Divine Beasts and are almost immediately attacked by the Blight's Ganon. The Fire Blight, the Water Blight, the Thunder Blight, and the Wind Blight. And they do not have their weapons on them, so they're killed. And Ganon's power takes control of the Divine Beasts and also all the Guardians, which destroy Hyrule Castle, Hyrule Castle Town, and everything surrounding it. The Divine Beasts basically shut down. They do. They don't do much. That we're aware of. Um, and immediately after this, like Link breaks down his most essential duty, which is, if we can't fight Ganon, I still have to protect Zelda, because finishing Ganon off requires her to be alive. She is the single most important person in this story. So they flee Hyrule Castle after being able to confirm that the king is dead and all the champions are dead. It's memory despair. Yes. Um, yeah, Link doesn't really stay behind to fight. No, he does not. He grabs Zelda and he fucking runs. What if they had tried in that moment? I'm sure I guess the guardians. Zelda would have died. Yeah, and they couldn't have sealed him, I guess. Right. Um, interestingly, Link and Zelda flee towards Hateno. Uh, the army flees towards Akala Citadel. Yes. And that's where you can meet some guy who's a descendant of somebody who you know, had their last stand there. But that's where the army had their last stand and were, were wiped out, I guess, by a bunch of flying guardians. The guardians split into two main groups. Guardians have popped up all over Hyrule at this point and are wrecking havoc. But they split into two primary groups. One has a bunch of them heading towards uh, Akala Citadel. But the vast majority of them give chase to the hero and the princess heading towards Hateno Fortress. It's interesting because Kakariko is just right over there. Well, it's surrounded by mountains. Yeah, but do you think they were just cut off from going to Kakariko? I think... Did they stop by Kakariko? Would you want to be trapped in there? I think Link's idea was just to keep running. Fair. Also, he may not have known where Kakariko was. I guess it is a hidden village. It was a hidden village at one point. Ah, uh, I don't know. Regardless, shit is bad, and they're being chased by guardians. And Zelda blames herself for everyone dying, which, a fair reaction to have. <laughs> but also, we have to keep running. We have to keep running right now. She has her big cry. That's the big cry from the trailer. An illicit, illicit hug. Yeah, 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 yeah. The most X-rated behavior. These two need Jesus. Um, and... Link and Zelda make it as far as the Blatchery Plain, which is just outside Fort Hateno. And that's where the Guardians catch up to them. And our listeners have probably mostly played Breath of the Wild, but in case they have not, the Blatchery Plain is noteworthy because it is covered in hundreds of dead Guardians. Just a whole field chock-fucking-full of them. And according to accounts that are told to you by people who were told the stories by folks who apparently lived at the time. Geralt. Geralt, yes. Um, Geralt says that the hero fought these... No, Robbie says that Link fought on the Blatchery Plain alone. Right. Geralt 
thinks that a warrior and his soldiers had their last stand here. Robbie says it was just Link. To the memory, it looks like it was just Link. And here's the rest of how terrifying Link is, because he kills literally hundreds of these things, defending Zelda. And that's where we get the last memory. Not the last memory chronologically, but the last memory that you get in the game. Uh, Zelda's memory. Uh, Zelda's awakening. Yes. Like Link's awakening. Yes. And it's Link at the absolute limit of his strength, which, fair. Um, He collapses. uh, Guardian's about to fire. Zelda jumps in the way. Triforce, I guess. I guess it was the power of love all along. You've really brought me into the moment, Monica. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not good at these exciting descriptions like you are. Fair enough. Um, she shields him with her body and hand, and her hand starts glowing with the triangles. Yeah, it's the realization and acting upon the feelings that she has for Link that unlocks that power inside of her. That's she, shoujo as hell. Yes, it is. But it's also her finishing her growth, allowing herself to feel these things, growing into the role of the princess in the same way that Link has grown into the role of the hero. And what Zelda, Zelda doesn't like blow up the Guardians, she banishes the malice from the Guardians. Yes, she does. And I guess, to be fair, Link doesn't really destroy all of the Guardians because there's a few left. Delta. He destroys enough of them yeah. that there are enough corpses for the two of them to hide behind. Um, Zelda cradles his body. She's pretty sure that he's dead. Yeah. Or that illicit hugging. It's fair. He's taken a lot of hits. Um, she's pretty sure he's dead, but Fi speaks up. Yeah. And she can hear Fi. And Fi assures her that Link is still alive. Just for our listeners' sake, Fi doesn't literally say these things. Uh, the Master Sword makes a noise very similar to the ones that play when Fi is summoned from the sword. Hey, what's Fi doing here? <laughs> it's almost as if this is a version of the Master Sword that is not the same one. As the one where Fi went to sleep forever. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think that this is the Master Sword that was created specifically for the Imprisoning War. Hmm. Did, Interesting. Did you put this into the timeline document? Um, well, I mean, in the timeline document, we'd probably have to say that the Master Sword sort of overlaid with each other, similar to how Ganon did. Hmm. So, Fi just carries over. Interesting. Um, yeah, this, this actually probably, like, went and backtracked and made Skyward Sword, the memory of Skyward Sword, more enjoyable to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the best use of that character. There's only two really good Fi scenes, her death and this. Yeah. But I've I've read a lot of people say, like, that moment, even though I didn't care about her. It redeemed Skyward Sword. (laughs) This, this, This one moment redeemed Skyward Sword for a lot of people. Um... So two Sheikah run up, and we know canonically that this is Robbie and the Bard. Yeah. And Zelda orders them to take Link to the Shrine of Resurrection. And to do it now, or they shall lose him forever. Um, does she hand, like, we don't see her hand the slate over, but... She does. Yeah. She hands it over, because now she... The thing is, she hasn't just 
unlocked her ability to use the Triforce. She has also unlocked the consciousness of the goddess Hylia. That power, that knowledge. Yes. Oh, that's one thing I forgot to mention. Yes? In her diary, like the second last entry. Oh, yes, her memory, her dream. She dreams of the goddess. She does, calling out to her. Or is that is there a difference? There's not really a difference. Well, she doesn't recognize the woman. Yeah. It's a woman with golden hair calling out to her from across the darkness, and she knows that she needs to understand the words, but she can't hear them. She's on the verge of realizing her feelings. Yes. So with the knowledge of the goddess, she understands what she needs to do. Yeah. So she must hand the slate over at this point. Oh, um, I just wanted to point out, um, we said last episode that the... Ganon must have been sealed with the power of the Triforce, but we don't actually know that that's true. In the 10,000 years ago. 10,000 years ago. It could have also been done with the power of Hylia. She's tough. Yeah. Gods have put seals down at the behest of the people before. Um, Robbie and the Bard whisk Link over to Pura, and Pura and Robbie are the ones who... Put him in the shrine. Yes. And I guess take his tunic yeah and they give him some some old clothes around they give him uh some sleek sheikah underpants sure those will last in the water Uh, that's what it uh, don't you laugh that's what they are (laughs) yeah they're kind of like swim trunks yeah and i i guess he's hoisted into that resurrecting thingy like ganon's resurrecting thingy we'll get to ganon in a fucking second yeah So Link is placed in the Chamber of Resurrection where his wounds will be healed over the course of a hundred years at the cost of his memory. Um, question. Did they... Zelda does not take a photo of this moment. No. Did they just paint this? I think that Impel was there and then she painted it, yes. Just like whipped out her brush and like... No, she committed it to memory, went home and painted it. Okay. That's it. There's dead guardians in the picture, so... Yeah, it had to have been after... Um, and then Zelda does a whole bunch of things. Yeah. The first thing she does is she takes the Master Sword back to the Lost Woods. Yes. Because the Master Sword is beat to shit. It's got gouges in it. It's covered in burns and rust and shit. And she's like, all right, watch over this, okay? And the Deku's tree is like, I got it. And girl, go do your own confessional in your own time. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, listen, I'd really like to see you again, but you got to take care of shit, okay? And she's like, I got it. Don't worry. No, I mean about the feelings. Oh, the feelings thing. Yeah. I ain't your messenger. Yeah, yeah. It's like, listen. And she's like, could you give Link a message for me? And he's like, I'm sure Link would prefer to hear it from your own mouth. Um, Zelda also, I don't know if this is before or after going to the forest, but she confers with Impa. Makes a plan. Makes a plan. Leaves instructions. There is a very important message that she gives to Impa. Yes, and we'll get to that when Link receives it. Just remember, very important message. Extremely important message. A message so important that Impa, Pura, and Robbie all travel to different regions of Hyrule so that Calamity Ganon can't kill all three of them at once. So at least one of them will remember when Link returns. And then she goes to Hyrule Castle. And here we learn the truth of Calamity Ganon in that... At this point, the Calamity is as wounded as it was when it was sealed away 10,000 years ago. It's not actually capable of physically fighting. What it is doing is rebuilding its body. 
And what Zelda does is she locks herself in battle with the spirit of the Calamity to make it so that it cannot resurrect itself until Link returns and is ready for the fight. It's trying, though, in a little cocoon thing. Yeah, it's it's got its own chamber of resurrection yeah. that it built in the middle of Hyrule Castle. It's, it's not remarked on at all, and it was just some guy who tweeted about the resemblance between the two. It's identical. I know, it's... Nintendo, which this is why we love Nintendo. <laughs> oh, but well, we love the storytelling in Zelda in particular. Yeah. But it's also interesting because that means that Ganon's understanding of Sheikah technology is intimate enough to recreate it from scratch. Yeah. Ganon's been planning this for a very long time. Zelda's journey must have been very interesting, though. All on foot. All on foot. Monsters coming at her. She's like, no. She's got the Triforce. She's got the full three. And yeah, nothing can really stop her. Literally nothing, except for a beast so terrible because it is still empowered by its own dark wish. And her heart, though awoken, is not mighty enough to undo the wish that he has made. It's true. And then bad shit happens. (laughs) The Age of Burning Fields passes. Robbie, Pura, and Impa go their separate ways. And Zelda's just in Hyrule Castle for a hundred years, fighting while Link heals. Um, Akala Citadel is wiped out. Yep. The people in Hateno mostly make it out okay. The people of Zora's Domain mourn the loss of their princess. The young people understand why these things happened. They understood that Ganon was always going to be a fight like this, but the older people blame Link for it. It's interesting because they they tried to hold a ceremony for Mifa. They built a giant statue of her. They tried to do a ceremony and like wash her trident away. Yes, send her trident down the river and into the sea. And she speaks to them through the trident to stop that. Yeah. Where is that? That's That's during the Hundred Years. No, that's on the monuments. Yeah, that's on the monuments. Sometime during the Hundred Years that happens. Um, sometime during the Hundred Years, Dorfen fights and throws a guardian. I think that's like... A guardian starts threatening Zora's domain, and instead of doing anything reasonable, I think that Dorafan was kind of going out there to die. He did okay. Well, that's just the thing. Once he actually got his hands on the thing, it shot him in the head. Yeah. And then he throws it off a cliff and shatters it. Yes. Um, Sidon is, uh, I guess, the, now the heir. Yep. He goes and has an adventure where he's swallowed by an Octorok. The size of a mountain. And then pokes his way out of it. Yeah. Nothing much happens in the other places. Uh, I think that probably Urbosa's... They have to choose a a new chief. A new chief. Maybe a cousin or a sister of Urbosa. It is very familial, that succession. Yes. And that's pretty much it. Nothing happens to the Ritos. Yeah. The... Daruk has sons at some point. Yeah, they and, carry on. And they carry on in his name. Bluto doesn't seem related to Daruk. Does not, no. no. Um, the Sheikah keep... Doing their thing. Doing their thing. The Hylians eventually manage to build a network of stables. The Yiga gather their forces in anticipation of the return of the hero. And Some ghost dad. <laughs> and people just try, not even to rebuild, but to reconnect 
in the weight of the devastation of the calamity. Some ghost dad hangs out. Some ghost dad just hangs out being a shit and watching his house burn down for a hundred years. And I guess he has enough time to feel bad about it. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's like, imagine just being awake for a hundred years straight. And all you can remember is all the mean shit you said to gaslight your daughter. <laughs> I think we're done. Is a hundred years of contrition enough time for Rome to pay his debt emotionally? A lot more than a hundred people died. I did not try to put a number to it outside of the number of years that he's had. I was just talking about his relationship with Zelda. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> hundred years of suffering isn't enough? No. No. Oh. Gaslit the shit out of his daughter. All right. The worst sin. One million years dungeon. One million years dungeon. <laughs> All right. That's a number. You know, the Zelda timeline. And now we have finally reached the moment. Where the game begins. Yay! Well, time for questions. <laughs> Excellent. That's two episodes before the start of the game. It's a new record. Yay! At, I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, at the at the how how far did we get at the end of the Skyward Swords first episode? Was it like the wing ceremony? <laughs> Yeah. Was it the start of the wing ceremony? Yeah, start of the wing ceremony. But, I mean, that's a lot further than we've gotten in these first two episodes. But we've covered a lot of story in these two episodes. It's like... Frankly, most of the story is before the game starts. Two-thirds of the real story story has been covered already. Questions? Where can people send us questions? You can send questions into the podcast email, bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com, or to our Twitter accounts, mine, at CamWriter, or Crystal's, at Arcane Crystal. This comes in from Misk. They ask, just how does Octorok taste? I, it's got to taste like octopus, right? Yeah, I, I, I got to imagine it tastes more or less like grilled octopus. Just got to massage it a little bit. I'm sure it tastes great. Put some rock salt on there. Put some lemon. What do you think, Crystal? Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. Maybe... Maybe a little minerally. Ah, uh, don't overcook it or it gets real chewy. But very gummy. Yeah. Rawl asks, what's the origin of the Rito on this timeline? Oh, boy. <laughs> In Wind Waker, we know they evolved from the Zora. Breath of the Wild, I recall, also references the same evolutionary line. But why? What caused this? I'll let you two answer before I do my bullshit. I'm not aware of a Breath of the Wild reference to the evolution. I'm not either. No. In fact, Breath of the Wild treats the Rito as if they've been around for as long as any of the peoples of Hyrule. Maybe what Ral means is that it they they are Rito, therefore they're referencing that that lineage. Well, I think that Ral really like they mention if they recall, and I think maybe they just recall some like oh something mm -hmm. that they read somewhere that may not have necessarily been in the game. What do you think, Crystal? Well, Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild are on the same timeline. Breath of the Wild is on every timeline. Yes. So do you think that the Rito here are the same Rito from Wind Waker? Absolutely. They just evolved to be more bird-like? Why not? Zora changed appearances. They have. So is it the case that they no longer need scales from Volu in order to fly? Yeah, they, f they did a fusion dance with the Wind Tribe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I that staggered me so bad I my brain stopped a minute. Well, you're talking about how like the master sword fused with the master sword to become the master sword. Yeah, the Rito, the Valu Rito, 
fused with the Wind Tribe to become the Breath of the Wild Rito. I see. See, my thought here was that these Rito are actually related to the pre-Skyward Sword Rito that I theorized back in those episodes. The, pe- uh-huh. the people who built the Temple of the Bird Monarchs. Yes. These are the descendants of the kingdom of the Rito. That's how I see it. And they could have also been like overlapped with that tribe from the Wind Waker, which is why they sort of look way more bird-like than Wind Waker Rito, who are basically just humans with beaks instead of noses. But they look less bird-like than the bird monarchs from Skyward Sword, who were just birds. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's what I think. Kay asks, why does Eiji Anima hate trans women, and also kind of women in general sometimes? Also, why can Nintendo only include darker-skinned characters in their games if they're horny about it? <sighs> this is a lot to unpack in one question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a heavy qu- a heavy cue. Yes. Um, here's, for this one, I'm all for blaming A.G. Anima because everything that came through here definitely had to be approved by him at some point during the process. But Anima was neither the lead writer nor the director of Breath of the Wild. Uh, at minimum, Fujibayashi has to be painted with the same brush here. Yeah. And Fujibayashi also has a very, very, very similar record when it comes to writing significant women in his stories. Uh, the treatment of Zelda in this game is worlds better than how Tetra got treated in Phantom Hourglass, for instance. Who did Triforce Heroes? I think Crystal did a woman direct Triforce Heroes? No, it was the same director as A Link Between Worlds. Oh, okay. And the name of that human is... Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm consulting my brain library... Hiramasa Shikata. That's a straight from memory first try. That's a very nice. good memory palace you have. Because one of our listeners linked that article about oh, like there's three links and they're all guys. Cause Link's guy can't be a girl. Yeah, can't like, give you the choice. It's, it's it's you're being a hero, so why wouldn't you be a guy? And it's like ah. Oh. And our, our, our women employees are okay with it. So it's probably fine, right? Like, ah. Uh, okay, you want the real answer? Because Nintendo still has a very patriarchal development culture that informs a lot of their writing. And in some ways, it's getting slowly better over time. The greater focus on Zelda, I think, is an attempt to progress in a way that would appeal more to female players. But in other ways, you they've can, got blind spots. They've got blind spots, and they trip over their own fucking feet. And in a lot of ways, they're just not very fucking good at this. There's been a lot of comments and articles and critique regarding the Grudo section of Breath of the Wild. Uh, yeah, and one hopes sincerely that Nintendo has noticed. I wouldn't put money I, on it. I don't know. I would not put money on it. I mean, it, this bypassed the treehouse somehow. I, I don't which, think it bypassed shit. It, it should have been caught. I don't... Like, yeah. you, there were signs that the treehouse, especially for this game, had the ability to affect changes. Well, it didn't follow through, and it I did it. It didn't follow through. It sucks. There's a lot of fucking people at fault here. And as much as 
Alanoma should be pilloried for these particular transgressions, we cannot forget that to make a mess that big, it takes a village. Games are the work of several people. Yes. Many people. Several many people. And it sucks that there is this... And of course, you can't point the finger at everyone involved on the team and say, ah, you. But there's a lot of people who successively failed to catch things that they should have caught with regards to this. Zelda's always had, Zelda as a series, has always had a lot of trouble with how it treats its women. Like, that's just a thing. We talked last episode about the moms, and that's kind of emblematic in certain ways about the treatment of femininity in The Legend of Zelda. Women are fundamental and foundational to the setting. They are where the hero gets his power and also where the hero gets his authority to act. But they still are not the heroes themselves. And that's something that I hope changes soon, but it's not something that I'm really betting money on. Uh, as I, the, I feel like we're going to talk about this at length when we get to Grudo Town. Yeah. I mean, there's, just, yeah. there's a lot to be said. Now, again... I'm a cisgender, heterosexual, white American guy. So You're I, Canadian, too. Okay, white American <laughs> Canadian guy. Like, thanks. Just layer another <laughs> layer of fucking typicalness on top of me in terms of how centered I am by the culture. But um, so I, I can't really speak to some parts of this very meaningfully. But this shit's raw, nasty in a lot of ways, and we'll end up covering it more. Um, I'll probably take more of a back seat during those conversations. As for the darker-skinned characters thing, I do not want to speak for Kay here, but I think she might be referencing characters like Urbosa, pretty much all the Gerudo in this game, actually. Uh, Twintail from ARMS. Marina from Splatoon 2. I'm not sure if Marina's being included in this, but I could definitely see why she would be. Uh, I mean, colorism is definitely a thing that's come up in the past. There are some different Gerudo shapes. Well, yes, there are different shapes of Gerudo. Including heavier set women. There are also different shades of Gerudo. They have a range of skin tones, but... it's still an extant fact. Yeah. I got nothing in particular. Like, this isn't a question we can really answer. It's just a question that we can point at and go, bad. Yeah. So I, I, I that's it for me. Crystal, do you want to add anything to this? Let's see. Uh, why does Asian women hate trans women? Because it's funny to him. Why does women in general sometimes? You know how it is. Also, like, you know, they're horny about it. Because uh, racism. That's a pretty good explanation. I feel like I made an ass of myself by saying as much as I did. No, you didn't. Oh, regardless, uh, you covered it very succinctly. Weed Lord Vegeta asks, Is this better or worse than those steampunk slash modern link concept art pieces they showed? Is the Weed Lord referring to something in particular or Breath of the Wild? The Breath of the Wild art style versus the concept art they showed at that one GDC. It's absolutely better. (laughs) 
there was like an art of what is it link with a guitar i oh mm, like i i hate that hanna barbera looking motherfucker over there and then oh link on a motorcycle it's the same fucking my dude looked like he over there about to follow the mystery van down the road or sorry the mystery machine he's friends with scooby-doo he liked them scooby snacks let me ask you something go ahead do you think Scooby-Doo the dog has ever smoked weed? No, 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 no. No, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you don't think Shaggy's ever given weed to Scooby? Of course he has, but he bakes it into the Scooby snacks. You don't try to get a okay. dog to smoke. <laughs> okay. That's very unhealthy for the dog. I mean, Shaggy's deeply irresponsible, but in some ways he is a responsible pet owner. How did Scooby learn to talk? It, it, that's just a thing that dogs can do in this setting if we take Scrappy as being, like, indicative. Aren't they just all very high? Everyone? Uh-huh. And they share this... Hallu- How high do you have to be to hallucinate your dog talking? I don't think that's a threshold you can hit. Like, the pathetic fallacy just goes in so hard that your inner monologue just starts projecting onto the dog. But yeah, it uh, it's absolutely better than that dude who looks like he's about to go have a fucking conversation with speed buggy or participate in the wacky races. I like the breath of the wild art style. Yes. I like that. The art style is rooted in pottery and an octorock. The origins. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's a nice fusion again of old and new. Yeah. And the old is super advanced and the new can be quite ancient. Yeah, it's good shit. It's a weird blend. I I am curious to see where um, a more modern-looking Legend of Zelda game would end up aesthetically, because I don't think it would look just modern. I am not interested in a steampunk Zelda, so to speak. Though something that's more like... Uh, what was the name of that movie? Steam Boy? Something more like that would be pretty good. I like the Breath of Wild art style. Yeah, me too. Yep. It's good. It's good. It's a good art style. Luke asks, is Hyrule just a computer simulation programmed by the Sheikah to simulate an eternal battle of good and evil? Are the shrines just debug rooms they drop their heroes into to test them? Caleb adds, I would say Hyrule Warriors is a video game made by the Sheikah to play on the Sheikah slate. The Sheikah would not write Sheikah in Hyrule Warriors. <laughs> just like this one they fucking bring in an intern programmer who's trying to show how into the culture he is so he writes Sheik the Sheikah into fucking Hyrule Warriors to impress his bosses oh no <laughs> oh fuck oh what's your take Crystal uh well the Triforce is a computer uh huh I don't know that the Sheikah know how to program it. Um. What do you mean, um? (laughs) Where is this going? I'm not taking this question seriously. Oh, okay. Luke. (laughs) There are a bunch of trials. Simulation rooms. They had 10,000 years to make up their own puzzles. Yeah. And some of them had, like, some of them were like, hey, we're just going to do a fight. Other ones, that one guy was like, I'm going to name it encourages grasp and link has to pick up the laser thing god that was a good puzzle though. that was a really good puzzle also fuck that guy the answer luke no mm-hmm. i could see it being that the 
the shrines are not physical rooms, but a simulation that Link is transported into via the Sheikah Slate. That's interesting. I could... Oh, that, that's, that's a cool idea. Because, like, it's really alarming how the elevator goes, like, really deep underground. Oh, yeah. And then you see these giant-ass rooms that are the size of football fields, some of them. Yeah. Yeah. How it's like they're work? transporting him into a completely different space. The sacred realm. The sacred realm is uh, very drab at this point, so I kind of <laughs> doubt it. Oh, you. Jordan asks, do you think a Legend of Zelda game can be set in a futuristic or modern setting? Or does a medieval slash fantasy one carry with it tones that can't easily be translated one to one? Are there already games that are Zelda, but in blank times, games you feel exist? I think that a lot of people picture Zelda games as being in the medieval times, but they're not. They're, they're not. There's, they're not. There's lights. There's toilets. There's one guy that pedals to fuel the electricity for his flying, you know, shop. Yeah. There are these giant, you know, autonomous drone killer tanks. Yeah. Link runs around with an iPad. Do you think that the series could be set in a futuristic or modern setting? Or are you arguing that the game kind of already is? The game kind of already is. Is it's just that it doesn't meet the other criteria that we implicitly put into a modern or futuristic setting. It doesn't fit the easy Western uh, genre aesthetic. Right. You're not, you know, in space, in a, on a spaceship. Right. Or, you know, awash in a sea of lights and signs advertising different things. I think it is always going to give you that slight feeling of isolation that, you know, of the wild. Are there already games that are like Zelda, but in a different setting? No. <laughs> What's your take, Crystal? There's never been a game like Zelda, but in a different setting. Really? Really. Not Okami? Not Beyond Good and Evil. Not Darksiders? No, not Alundra. Ah. Not Fable? Fables? Oh, I don't think anyone... Definitely not Fable. <laughs> it's been a while since people have compared Fable to Zelda. But the Zelda Killer. Oh, they did call it a Zelda Killer. I think that, uh, yeah, I'll agree with Crystal and Monica here. Um, they could change the setting however they like, but Zelda has a definite feel to it. And there aren't really any other, like, people have tried to make games that are like Zelda, but most of them just fall kind of flat on their face. Even Castlevania Lords of Shadow. <laughs> Castlevania Lords of Shadow, um, which tried to be a God of War, which was in its way trying to be a linear Zelda. Yeah, and that game was good. Lords of Shadow? Yeah. It sure was, Crystal. It I had like... a reference to the Deku Tree. It it sure did have a reference to the Deku Tree. That was a damn good game. I should replay that soon. Don't play the second one. No. Wow. Biggest... Talk about a disappointing sequel. It, Crystal, I was so excited for that game. I watched that trailer... <laughs> Where Gabriel goes sick house on that army like a bunch of times, and God, it was you plays Dracula in the future, and it's like not only did they make him feel really weak and silly, and also all the writing was bad, but like they completely dropped the thing about how Gabriel relates to God. Yeah, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Because that was the best part of the first game. 
And it's like the entire hook at the end of the first game is like, but he found his peace with God. How does this tie into the what's happened to him now? How what's going to happen? How can how can this work? Because the first Lords of Shadow is such an intensely Catholic story. If you like a good Catholic story, <laughs> play Lords of Shadow. And a good like yeah, a good vampire story. It's a very good game about Christianity eating the old world. And a man coming to terms with his God in the Catholic sense. It's so good. Oh, but that sequel didn't do any of that. It was like, what if the the stake that you use to kill Carmilla, it would only worked because it can kill anything, which means if you stab Satan with it, it'll kill Satan. And that's the actual plot. That's the plot of the game. You get back the tip of the vampire killer because it's the only thing that can kill Satan. I'm so mad at that game. You remember the ending of Lords of Shadow when Gabriel literally defeats Satan by calling out to God for help? You should probably put yeah. Lords of Shadow spoiler before this. Spoiler no. warning. No, no, no. For the first game. That game is 35 years old. Okay, fine. Because it's still worth playing. Yes. The first I- one. Uh, okay, I'll, fig- I'll figure something and out. And then he literally scourges Satan. He scourges Satan with a whip! That's great <sighs> stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get too, I get too invested in Lords of Shadow and it's very bad sequel. <laughs> what about the Mirror of Fate? The Chain of Memories of Lords of Shadow? That's a perfect description of it to me, a person who never played Chain of Memories. Well, the thing with Chain of Memories is that people are like, oh, this is just a GBA side story, whatever. But then Kingdom Hearts 2 expected you to know what happened. And yeah, at Mirror of Fate was exactly the same. It's like, oh, it's just a side thing, but half the characters in Lords of Shadow 2 don't make any sense if you don't play Mirror of Fate. The worst part is they had Richard Madden voice Alucard. He does a good job. I know, it's great. He's very dreamy sounding, but... I don't know why you love Richard Madden so much, Bob though. Stark. Yeah, I know. There we go. That's all. Is that the most disappointing sequel, Crystal? Yes. I feel like comparing it to Kingdom Hearts 2 is doing a big disservice to Kingdom Hearts 2. No, Kingdom Hearts 2 is a great game. Much unlike Lords of Shadow 2. Yeah, Lords of Shadow 1, that's a, that's a game. That's a game. Remember when the post credit scene of Lords of Shadow... When Zobek is flying through a creepy castle, he calls out to Gabriel to come out of the dark. Gabriel's like, call me Dracula. And then he gets tossed out the fucking church window into a modern day city. And there's like a big castle in the city. Yeah. And Zobek's like, you have to help me kill Satan. Then I will free you from your immortality. They did the whole Avengers moment. Yeah. They did the Avengers moment before the Avengers did. They did. Somebody on the Avengers team really liked Lords of Shadow. It was a pretty cool moment. It was. Let's end this off with an email. Okay. Hmm. That's a good one. Oh, we got a couple of new ones. That's nice. Yay. Daniel asks, if every instance of event-changing time travel creates a new timeline... Are there any games that could take place post-Majora's Mask Moon Crash? Um, I like how one of Google's auto-responses here is just not that I know of. <laughs> yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Not that I know of. 
Triforce Heroes. That's pretty much the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Link's Awakening. But I think the thing that we've established is, with our timeline, it it isn't just every variation that may create a split. It could, but I mean, we we refute that Link's death in Ocarina of Time was significant. Yeah, that's true. We, we, we do run counter to the basic assumption behind this question. But taking the question as it is, there's a few that could fit. Um... Link Between Worlds can still fit. Uh, Wind Waker. Wind Waker could still fit if Link died in Termina. Yeah. Yep, that's true. That could happen. Uh, Skyward Sword. (laughs) What? Time is a flat circle. Has there been a 10,000 year gap? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. There's a lot you could fit there. I don't think Termina is cosmically important it is important because people live in it oh yeah yeah i i don't know there are some theories that are like term termina if termina dies that means hyrule also dies and termina is like metaphysically tied to hyrule in a way that their their fates are connected i don't know that i buy that i don't know if i buy that i also just don't think it's necessary termina matters because people live in yeah. it, and those people matter because they're people. Yeah. And their lives matter, and all of their tiny and significant woes matter. I'd call their woes quite significant. Some of them have tiny woes. Well, that's it for this episode. It's quite the big one. I look forward to starting the game. <laughs> Cameron, where can people find you online? You can find me online, at CamWriter. Oh, sorry, I'm, for fuck's sake, on Twitter. At Cam Writer. You can find me online at Twitter at Arcane Crystal, Patreon.com slash Arcane Crystal. You can listen to podcasts like this early. Audioentropy.com, where you can listen to lots of other podcasts like MCU Complete Me, Let's Place, Totally Reprise, Cosmic Call, D Comedy, All Along the Watchtower, Boss Show and Tell, Skies of Academia, Teenagers with Attitude, Transmission Radio. War and Beast, and let's steal a podcast. That's quite the list. Let's uh, let's end this with a joke. Yay! Boo. This joke comes in from Matt. How could you tell if Link ate green salsa? How? He'd have the breath of the mild. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's actually not bad. That's really good. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry for talking shit on the joke before I heard it. That's good. Okay. All right, good night, everybody. Bye. Good night.